ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 92 of The Whatever Show, and this conversation is going to have many sides, none of them sympathizing with Nazis, I don't think. Yeah? No? We got a lot of guests this week, actually. Uh, we got both the Summers Boys, we got Alex, we talked about Alex, actually, uh, I think, uh, probably 15 episodes ago or something like that, um, when I, you showed me the Hulk sculpture, so that should be interesting. Got a lot of questions and stuff for him, and we got a lot of stuff to cover this week. Uh... You know, Gollum reading Trump, Trump's tweets, uh, probably one of my favorite things I've seen this week. Uh, good stuff in there. Yeah, you only just saw that this week, right? Yeah. I think I saw that like three weeks ago. Well, it made it into the show notes this week. Yeah. Look, uh, did you see the we, Mark Hamill Joker reading? Yes, we've oh, talked about yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. For, for there's, sure. There's, there's, there's some things that happened when Eddie moved that, like, if we tried to cram everything that happened during that time in one show... It's, it's, it's just a black hole. We just, we just are finding things now that... I guess people don't expect it to be, like, relevant and completely, like, on the nose to the day, you know? Can you turn him down? We have... <laughs> I mean, I, that, right, okay. I realize we pride ourselves on being, like, the most bleeding-edge uh, pop culture podcast uh, that's out there, um, but fuck off. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I'm going to preface uh, this episode too by saying that Alex is not just here uh, for like an interview segment or anything like that. Um, we're we're definitely going to ask him some questions and whatnot, uh, but he's actually going to join us for the the show proper as well. Uh, yeah. So, welcome, Alex. Uh, yeah. Hello, everybody. We've got uh, you know we kind of talk about Nazis. I think um, uh, you know, we and, and where we fall. I, I, it's a very it's a complex argument. I mean, are these all right Nazis or are these all left Nazis? Oh, it's 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 tough. I'm not really sure. We're well, gonna get back. we're gonna get to it though. That leads into the question: What is a Nazi? Uh, that would be a national socialist. There we go. Yeah. So it can't be on the left because by the very definition, Nazis are. But wait, you just said socialist in there. Isn't that the left? No, socialist. Guys, oh, okay. Just no, we're not gonna get into this. <laughs> um, um, also, we didn't start this podcast to talk about politics. In fact, we really shied away from it for like the first, oh, until Trump got in office. Yeah, then and suddenly it, it, it became an open field. But anyway, we're going to talk about some other stuff too, so stick around if you don't like politics. We're going to talk about Game of Thrones, actually. Matt's finally caught up on season one. He's most of the way through season two. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We'll warn you about spoilers um, if you haven't seen it. Hey, Eddie. Hey, you, do you want to talk about the latest episode? Fuck you. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can join in that. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Damn it. Um, I am, of course, current, current, except for this last episode. Matt's still a couple seasons behind, but uh, in any case, uh, violators of the no spoilers policy shall be shot. Um, <laughs> it's okay for us to spoil things to the audience at large, but if you guys spoil things, we punch you in the dick. <laughs> well, we'll warn you. I mean, DC, Affleck comments on Justice League Batman. We've talked about this a little bit. Uh, we got some more rumors in the Justice League department. Uh, Marvel? I don't even know what that is. Uh, Doctor Strange, the Ragnarok rumors? Looks like Not that. rumors. Okay. Uh, international trailer was released. He's actually in it, and we posted. Oh, link. I haven't even seen it. Okay. Oh, it's in the, here in the show notes. That's cool. Yeah. Um, we've got some Star Wars news. We've got uh, James Bond news. I'm actually kind of excited for that. Uh, Ducktales. We're going to talk about Ducktales. And, and and I think Matt's going to give us a little Tom Petty news too. So stick around. Yeah. Okay, so have we all prepared our best rants for the previous week in the United States? No? I mean, I don't know that there is one rant that's better than the other. Um, well, I mean... I mean, obviously, if you're saying, like, Nazis are okay, 
then that's not okay. That's not a good rant. Yeah. But. So, this is kind of a funny one. Uh, we, we, I'm going to get a little serious for a second. Um, we had this Charlottesville event happen over the last week. Uh, basically, we white nationalists racists and Nazis who go to a rally, and uh, one of them manages to run over counter-protesters. And then our president, in a moment of uh, clarity and unity, decides to condemn the actions of those. No, that's not what happened. That was, that's what would happen in a sane presidency, in a sane world, uh, where you've got Nazis on one side and anybody else on the other side you've got the bad guys in indiana jones and like every video game since like 1994 uh and you've got anybody else on the other side you'd think the president would say that's a softball uh i should probably condemn the nazis uh but instead he went with many sides so i just find it weird that in 2017 that we are dealing with nazis it is Um, kind of interesting we are in the midst of a potential korean conflict uh and the voice of reason in our political, uh, you know, forum is a Kennedy. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, come back in time. It's, it's, it, and it's not even to one particular time. Like, yeah. it's like Marty McFly just went, went back and fucked his own mom and this is what happened. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I don't know, wheel of time, everything's a circle sort of thing. I, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like snake eating its own tail. Like, we're doing this all again, essentially. Um, and, and so, you know, I think I remember the last time this happened, actually, and it was in Germany in like uh, 1937 or something like that. And we kind of saw how that one turned out. We it was pretty much 1920s. need to just. You get yeah. the beer hall putsch in like 1928, 1929. It's the first emergence of Adolf Hitler onto the political scene. And so it started much earlier than that. And he was elected chancellor in 1933. Okay, so uh, ladies Sam and gentlemen, Sam a, Summers, welcome back from China. Yeah, he is a <laughs> history major, and I've got Wikipedia, so occasionally <laughs> my facts are going to be li- slightly less accurate. Uh, but when was the yeah. first time they were running around chanting "Jews will not replace us in blood and soil"? Yeah, I don't uh, know. blood and soil would have been under uh, Bismarck in the 1870s. Jesus. 1870s. Okay, well, point first is, time the Nazis used it, though. Uh, we 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 kind of done this before, haven't we? Like it's a pretty solid. Like oh yeah, yeah it's a pretty Nazis. solid. Like this is on a well recorded. record. Yeah, we hand, we handled this one already. Assholes. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, uh, and then and then you know the second favorite piece of you know what the fuckery this this week is the the alt left. Is that a thing? Um, it is now because apparently Trump had to do something to defend his many sides argument. Um, and of course, if there's an alt right, I guess there has to be an alt left for there to be quote many sides. Well, and the thing that gets me is some people have this convenient forgetting of the idea. We don't have ultimate free speech. We do have free speech, which is great, but I I believe that it was a Supreme Court justice who said you can't yell fire in a crowded theater when there's no fire. Well, it's because you could lead to people dying. You know, do you guys know? Uh, have you guys seen XKCD? Uh, yeah. webcomic online yeah the xkcd has i think the best take on this that actually was a comic he published like years ago and it's like you have free speech which you don't have is freedom from consequences so you can say whatever shitty thing you want to say and everybody else is free to tell you to go the fuck off uh and and uh you have to deal with that so you know like in social settings for example if you come in here and you're spewing your white nationalist nazi bullshit all the time probably just not going to ask you to come back and uh now we've got the, the this whole thing where it's like the the reverse backlash of like oh alt left they're just as bad you know because we have to have this so sort of like faux equality um the news does this all the time too like uh we saw this during the campaign we've got donald trump over there uh saying that it's okay to sexually assault women and we've got hillary clinton who's not really good with her emails 
And somehow those things are somewhat equivalent in the mind of uh, CNN and so on and so forth. We get this sort of like two story, two sides to every story. Uh, the other good example is uh, evolution versus creationism. Like we've got uh, the vast equi- uh, majority of, you know, all scientists, you know, like 99.9, you know, it basically turns out to be a rounding error. And then we've got creationists on the other side. And somehow we devote equal times and we're having debates about whether or not we should teach creationism in schools. Um, and so we get this sort of like false, like, um, there's, yeah, there's this equivalence where like uh, because there's one side there must be an equal and opposite side and we're not talking about yin yang this isn't like a uh we're not doing like a 70s you know japanese or you know like kung fu movie where there has to be you know equal balance or whatever oh i thought we were talking about like the whisper song can i can i can i talk on free speech for just a minute yeah. I mean, it's your show. I mean, no, this no, is no, no. Yeah. not going to allow that. No. This is important. This is important for people to know. Well, um, actually, free speech is only provided by the government. And here at the Whatever Show, which is a private incorporation, we're not allowed to grant or we don't have to grant you free speech at all. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm going with this. Yeah. So if you're a Nazi and you're exercising your right to free speech and, you know, you know, doing your little blood and soil and, you know, Jews won't replace this chant and I headbutt the living piss out of you. I have not violated your right to free speech. Well, maybe assault. Uh, that, that's I, maybe no, no. That's that's <laughs> right, right. I that's might, a different right. <laughs> I might go to jail, but, then but I, I haven't would, violated I your right to free argument. speech. I would that counter that argument in saying that that Nazi is inciting violence. Well, the better well, example is all of the Nazis you have after this week whining that like. All I did was go to a, a Nazi protest and a, a shout about how the Jews will not replace us. And, and now I, I got fired sudden, from I don't my have job. A job. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. All I did was bring all of my guns in the world to my hotel room and show them off and like, yeah, now brag I have about how armed I am. Yeah. Possibly, and I'm going to cry like a little bitch on Facebook Live. Yeah. We, yeah. of course, uh, this is a, note, a thing we should throw in the show notes if you mm-hmm. haven't seen it yet. The uh, Vice News documentary uh, covering oh, the Charlottesville yeah. thing um, was superb. Uh probably one of the better pieces of reporting and i know vice is good but i haven't really watched vice at all i think vice is an hbo thing right yeah, it's documentary yeah. Yeah, there's vice and then vice news tonight which is more like a, a nightly thing yeah yeah, yeah. good so anyway vice vice did the the this documentary on charlottesville which was uh, phenomenal and they profiled this one particular white supremacist um well, they profiled a lot, but there was like one sort of like main guy that they profiled, and and of course he was all badass, and he said, "Look at my guns, and we're going to beat all these guys, and we're going to kill people." I'm not we have saying to. we're nonviolent. We'll kill these fuckers if we have to. Yeah, and then the I next week, my favorite line was, yeah, "I go to the gym all the time so I can make myself more capable of violence." Yeah. And I was like, "Really, oh man?" Like he said this with a straight face, <laughs> like. I yeah. just couldn't believe it. Doesn't it sound like a, a line they write for like uh, Cartman or something like that? <laughs> it, like, it, I mean this 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 whole thing with this particular guy, the Vice documentary, and then and then his his subsequent Facebook post, um, where where he has been informed that there's possibly a warrant out for his arrest, and he's literally crying like a little baby bitch. I mean, uh, y- you know that this is a guy that goes to the grocery store wearing like a skin tight tap out T shirt with like <laughs> jeans and a belt. He's got like a belt on for his tap out T shirt. <laughs> Like F three fifty, and then and then, absolutely, yeah. and then comes home and masturbates to Roadhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. Who, First off, okay, who, who doesn't, doesn't <laughs> masturbate to Roadhouse? Roadhouse. Come on. But I, and now, frankly, okay. So clearly, cool. clearly, our, our president is an idiot, and he's just trying to bring this as, to a false equivalency with the whole oh alt left thing. The thing is, I actually agree that there is an alt left, and that's that's the person that says because I'm a cisgendered white male, I literally can't have a discussion about race or. Whatever it is that this person wants to be. I mean... And that's a huge uh, thing right now. I, it, I would argue that... There's another argument for what the alt-left is. That it might be the people on the left who are okay with violence. Because traditionally, the, the the left has been more mm. of the Martin Luther King, Jesus, turn the other cheek. Yeah. And there are some, like... Did, did you, did you hear that, conservative Christians? 
<laughs> Jesus was definitely on the left. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, exactly. he was he was a, a dude that hung out with prostitutes and wanted to get uh, free health care and food for everybody. He was a socialist Jew. Yeah, he, he was yeah. a fucking rabbi. He he was baptized. Come on, guys. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, that that he well, was circumcised. Oh no, he was circumcised. What did you check? <laughs> well, if he was a Jew, then obviously. But. Yeah. Okay. Um, actually, those are both pretty good arguments. I'm pretty uh, sure back in those days they had a really good way of doing it too, that was completely safe and and you know clinically sterile. Yeah, for sure. Mm. It yeah. Wasn't just like a rusty. Yeah, no, the, the rabbi penis. sucked the penis. That Sharp was the sterility stick or teeth. That was. The- <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing teeth probably back then because we're talking yeah, we're talking one. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the, the rabbi sucked it, man. I just, I just like all right. Sure as we come up to our next topic, I just re- want to remind you that that will be the least painful thing you can imagine for your dick if you spoil Game of Thrones for me. Yeah, um, <laughs> like a, the, the, adult circumcision. Yeah. Uh, okay. So anyway, before we move off, uh, I don't know. There's there's good arguments both there. Like there is an extreme alt left. Uh, although um, I don't even think those groups overlap as much as you think. Like uh, some of the groups that uh, now are kind of demonizing white people just in general. And and don't get me wrong, I, I don't want to spend any time on that. Like uh, white people have experienced a level of privilege in this country that Can, you know. Like there's never been for a second where I pull over, uh, I get pulled over by a cop, and I'm worried I'm going to be shot. Uh, Can I argue? I have a really. You can argue whatever you want. With it's that, your show. With I mean, that, the other last week I actually did get pulled over. And when the state trooper came to my car, I asked him, sir, can I get out so I can talk to you where I'm not sitting down and I can talk to you face to face? And he said, yeah, get out. And because I'm a white dude, I think that was why it could happen. Yeah. If I was a black dude, that man would not have done that. And I firmly believe that because of the climate that we have currently. I mean, country. there's a, a, a thousand statistics that back it up too. Like if you are, are, you know, in a simple traffic stop as a black man, you're like fantastically more likely to be shot or, you know, and otherwise. Um, so anyway, so my argument with, your, with your alt left statement is that um, the alt right, uh, I think coined that phrase themselves. Probably because they were like, ah, Nazis, that's not really, that's not trending well. Uh, can we focus? Like, we're we're going to be white else, What else we got? No. No, 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 no. no, no, no. White yeah, supremacy? No, that doesn't sound yeah. good either. Yeah. White supremacy? No, no. We believe in it. Guys, but... let's let's workshop this a little. Uh, what about the alternative to the right? Yeah. We just go a little bit further. Alt-right. Yeah. Or alt-right. Yeah. It's close. <laughs> These are all clever considerations. I'm but, sure it was uh, Anyway, so that's my, that's, my, that's my argument there is that, like, the alt-left, like... I mean, if if the alt right gets to label themselves, and I think the alt left, you know, would have done that by now if they wanted to be considered anything other than just what they are. I mean, the, the biggest. I, oh, I, mean, I don't think they're by any means unified or anything. like that. I mean, that, I mean, no. you're right in that there is uh, some some you know people on the left that may flip that uh, fit that classification. Like um, now, all of a sudden, in the uh, LGBT community, there's there's like a big flare up between like you know lesbians don't consider bisexuals lesbians, and I think the whole thing comes down to like, um, okay, let's just not label it then. Let's just live our lives and fucking forget it instead oh, of no, having I to think, live, like i think a specific vi- i think the violent a- like th- that uh, alex mentioned i think the violence aspect is probably the biggest thing like when you're talking about alt-left alt-right uh first off i, I don't even know that i want to dignify alt-left alt-left and mention it ever again because that's not a thing that really exists well i'm gonna uh, write a book yeah okay sorry <laughs> with that in the title so definitely uh definitely do that there's no problems i can see f- with that um but, like, the I violence just... aspect is a big thing. And so, like, why are Nazis bad? Well, because Nazis believe that, you know, like, people deserve to die. And I think that when you talk about, like, quote-unquote alt-left, it's usually not going to be that direction. Like, th- th- there is a sort of, like, I'm okay with violence sort of situation. And, and even then, I think it's a little bit different because uh, when you're talking about, like, Antifa, uh, that's the anti-fascist movement, um, they're okay with violence in so much as it prevents, you know, fascism, uh, which is kind of a different argument, too. I mean... 
I guess I might fit that classification because I think when it comes to Nazis, like they're the one group that really doesn't deserve. Oh yeah, I, I, I fall. I, them. I fall on the Indiana Jones side of things, which is like you know you just you punch Nazis and it's fine. Fuck snakes, punch Nazis. That's yeah. socialist Fox professor. Punch, punch Nazis. Which of course is uh, how how Bryce's next album is going to open. Um, <laughs> Dropping it. All right, let's. Like uh, Let's 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 keep this let's keep this ball rolling. Let's talk Game of Thrones. Uh, so first off, before we go, because we didn't discuss it beforehand, I know you two are caught up, and you just actually you just mentioned it. You're caught up with the current season. So Matt, thoughts on season one? Um, overall, I thought it was a, I thought it was a great way to introduce us um, to the to the show proper. Like lots of cool things happen to keep you interested, and then um, and I know this because season two is even more intense than season one was. I'm not done with season two. I think I have four episodes left, but I mean, more has happened in the six episodes of season two that I've watched than happened in the whole first season, basically. Yeah. Um, so remind me, what's kind of going on right now in season two? Into season one, obviously you you have, and this is spoiler territory, guys. So you know, again, it's been seven years, so whatever. Blue, but a bloop. Yeah. Um, Ned Stark dies. Um, what? I know, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Motherfucker. Tell Damn, me about Dumbledore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that that's kind of like the big the big thing that happens at the end of that, and then the repercussions from that. Um, his son Rob has decided to declare war on the uh, king uh, in the north, on, yeah. on the king, you know, king shithead. Uh, Joff, yeah, you Joff. motherfucker. Joff. Yeah. Put a dollar in the jar. Yeah. Well, you know, like keep going, keep going, keep going. It, it, I stop mean, me when you hit off. Yeah, you owe our entire audience two beers now. So once it once it starts buzzing, that's the the correct volume level. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's kind of where we end off. Um, the uh, little little girl Stark. Uh, Arya. Arya. Yeah. Arya. She's mm. she's now disguised as a boy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I think that's where season one ends. Is kind of that that whole there's the you know they declared war. There's like four different kings now. Um, and then we move forward to season two, and then I think it opens with um oh oh what's his face uh, Stannis's little brother mm, Renly. Oh, Renly. 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 Yeah. Renly yeah yeah Renly um and his best knight Iron Fist yeah <laughs> yeah quite literally uh because that that dude is uh it, it means it's an entirely different context when it comes to I mean, yeah. He's as queer as uh, summer is long in Westeros. Yeah, like that's <laughs> well, well, winter summer. Summer is short. It's been summer yeah. for nine years. Yeah, that's true. That's true. At, at where we're at right now. So, um, but winter is longest coming. on record. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, um, but wait, Bryn wins, right? Yeah. <laughs> like she's the best knight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we did meet Brain of Tarth uh, in that episode as well. Uh, who, um. Did they introduce Brienne as early in the books? I seem to only remember like getting to Brienne finally in, like book four. No she's, book readers. Okay, fine. She's fighting Renly's boyfriend for sport and wins, and then asked to be part of his guard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was that early, mm. but it was just a brief mention initially. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, she's, clash, clash. she's incredibly large. Like I did not realize until I saw her standing next to like knights and shit like that in, in Game of Thrones. Like, when I saw her in Star Wars, like, I don't remember like, being particularly... Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah. Impressed well, by her size, but she's six foot three. But she well, never takes her helmet off in, in Star Wars, so... Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. a gripe that I have, because I, I... Apparently that's I think not that's gonna, gonna be a gripe in, in Episode 8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, she's supposed to. We t- I think a couple episodes back about that, we talked uh, some rumors that there's going to be a lot more Gwendolyn Christie and Captain Phasma in episode eight. Yeah. Of course, a lot more may, may mean that she gets, you know, say like uh, 45 seconds of screen time instead of 30, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Um, so, yeah, we've met her. Um, and then, of course, uh, Renly is no more because uh, Melisandre, who you meet also in the first episode of that um, with Stannis, um, burst the weird smoke monster out of her vagina <laughs> so my question is did this like is this the same smoke monster from lost and can we tie those two universes together i didn't i didn't watch lost i understand that there was a smoke monster but i didn't watch lost to be honest neither did i i just knew that there was a smoke monster i did and i, I don't know that you want to <laughs> <laughs> i think if anything you're taking something away from game of thrones and, try and, <laughs> and, and blend those two worlds together lost was good until the end, once we hit like season, I think it finished on season seven, and somewhat ironically, but um, season seven was where it really just like. And don't don't we already have a Hurley with Sam? We kind of do. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, your token fat guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sam, Sam's Sam's a good character though too, because like uh, he he is sort of like this sort of like useless character in the beginning and uh you know like it's gonna be hard to talk about any of this stuff without spoiling vast amounts of it but i, I love his arc so I, far the deal is is i plan on consuming mass quantities of this show like over like in a, within any given week's time and so like it should only take a few episodes for us to, to like actually be, be able to talk up. about it yeah yeah well yeah sam's cool. already got his wildling girlfriend so yeah. sort of oh. he's definitely Casey. given her the thimble oh okay if he, you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. He fleshes out quite nicely, not just in the whole he's fat thing, but his no, character. No, I, I actually liked his character, like, the first time I met him, just because, yeah. like, he really was that fat doof, and Jon Snow was like, hey, stop picking on my friend, and they're like, oh, you want to fuck him? You know? Because yeah. <laughs> basically, like... The Night's Watch is the, the locker Watch room is, in a sophomore... Is any fucking high, high school, school locker yeah. room. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> Complete yeah. with the asshole coach. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's like boot camp, you know? You're in a locker room with 80 dudes. You're going to make jokes because there's going to be dudes with dicks that are fucking fit. Yeah, but boot camp is only like as long as it takes for them to get more guys up there. And so like sometimes that's like a week and they're like, oh, nope, you're part of the guard now. Here you go. Yeah, You yeah. graduate. Fuck yeah. Here you go, Sam. You can bring people their tea now. It's a very important, uh, um, you know, duty in the Night's Watch. Uh, yeah. So I think where I'm at now, um, Jon Snow has... Because uh, he, you know, as we all know, he got put into the the stewards class instead of the rangers, and he was pissed off about it. But his, uh, uh, what's the, the the main dude's name in the in the Night's Watch? Uh, Mormont. It's one of the Mormons. Lord yeah. Mormont. Yeah. yeah, his yes. his lord has given him leave to join, uh, you know, old Grizzleface to go out and and figure out what the wildlings are doing. Oh. See, this is another just sort of funny aside. I was just wondering how many of the characters' names you'd be able to remember because like I remember when we started watching it, I'd already read some of the books, but like my wife started watching it with me and she's like, "Who the fuck is that guy? Who's that guy? Who's that person? I don't know. What's their name? <laughs> oh, that's Mormont. Th- no, not that Mormont, the other one. What about that? No, that's also Mormont. It's a different one." <laughs> I just like you make so many characters like it's absorbing it this quickly. It's it's hard to remember all of them sometimes. Yeah. Um that is one of the things that I don't think it's perfect about the show is um, in the books, you get well. I mean, it's always this the case with this. Like but each chapter is dedicated to like one specific person. I'll, I'll, and so it is a little bit, but like there's also more backstory, so you have more familiarity, yeah. especially with like the familiar relations. It, it took, I think, probably until season five before my wife could like recognize most of the people on the screen most of the time. I did grab the audiobooks of those, so I'm I'm probably gonna check those out like to and from work and whatnot. I've heard those are good, so might have to get those good. from you. Yeah. 
Yeah, but, um, but who, so who does the reading? Would it be? Uh... Uh, I can tell you that later. I don't remember who it is. Right? It'll be. That, it'll, yeah, it'll be professionals. It's I listened like, to part of like one of it. Kit it was Harrington some, or something like that. Some dude. Yeah, it wasn't anybody special or anything. Yeah, Kit Harrington. And then I captured the wildling, and I couldn't kill her. <laughs> because oh she you was know hot. you yeah. know nothing matt tesson <laughs> yeah they're 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 snuggled up right now Uh-oh. and she keeps wiggling she keeps wiggling her butt and he's like stop it <laughs> oh you yeah oh but he has vows Ooh. yeah um well, it's, it's a very different experience because I, I read most of the books first before i saw right. the show and so like i'm always it's interesting to talk to people who are like watching the show first what their thoughts are and some degree like i can't even remember sometimes what things happened in the book versus the show because i visualized it so strongly in my head that like now it's fused together Do, uh, same uh and yeah. it's very easy to once the right. once you've read the books and you've watched the show too you've not only visualized you know like the events in your head in the books but now you've got like faces to go along with it like you know legit like this is what this person is supposed to look like or what this person looks like now in my head uh and so it gets even worse uh, i've almost that. entirely stopped reading the books before i watched the movie or the show specifically because like a lot of the times there's a lot of discrepancies and I've kind of put myself in a position now where, like, I want to get whatever enjoyment I can out of the visual media first. Yeah. And then after that, I'll read the books and be like, oh, well, that was complete shit. But, <laughs> but at least I had that moment. Like, the Percy Jackson books, have you guys ever ever read any of those? No. I tried. No. After I watched the first movie, I tried to start reading the first book, and I just, I couldn't do it. My yeah. oldest kids are 11 and 13, so they've, they've been it was through... the same with the Mockingjay. Yeah. Not whatever. I've not was, read those was, either. Um, I tried to, but I had to put it down. But uh, the Percy Percy Jackson ones, like we we all watched the first movie as a family, and I was talking uh, to a friend of ours about how how excellent it was, and like she was like, no, no, the movie is complete shit. You have to read the books, and so the the, the girls were about the age right now where that would be like good for them, um, and so I bought the whole set of books and and we read them, um, and uh, yeah, that girl was not wrong. Like, and 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 like the first one wasn't as much um, of of a of a of a shitstorm but like the second movie was just absolutely just ridiculous terrible yeah it's kind of like that um have you ever read his dark materials golden compass and so on right oh yeah yeah Yeah. that's another example of like completely egregious bastardization of source material but uh before we move on from game of thrones uh one question alex since you've read the books um and now watch the show how do you feel about uh being ahead in show terms like you get the story now from the show primarily uh not the books I, well, now I feel like the rest of the audience felt. Yeah. We're just watching the show first. Is like now everything's a surprise. Yeah. And it, it was it was crazy, like how the um, the show and the books progressed with different characters and families at different levels. Yeah. I mean, without giving too much away. Yeah. I bought a Greyjoy mug <laughs> because I was reading the books and there was some cool stuff, and then other people like saw it and they're like, "Why that?" house that's that's the worst sigil (laughs) what were you doing and i'm like just wait a season and it was like wait another season i was like wait another season yeah yep cool stuff eventually (laughs) yeah that's another like sort of funny thing too like if you read the books um especially the way that the the show has done it so i kind of said this when we were talking about uh going way way back i'm I'm pretty sure this is just me ranting at a microphone because you hadn't watched anything but i said when they do uh feast for crows they're definitely going to blend that with uh um what is it dance for dragons yeah. dance yeah. for dragons uh or you know even blend it with uh um storm swords no that's the other one uh yeah that's it storm swords book three whatever 
uh, book three, they're going to blend those together because the book four on its own was just a slog to read through. And so it's kind of interesting to watch how they did that because there's elements of the show that I actually do like better than the books. Like, I think they tell a tighter, more cohesive story than the books do. But on the other hand, there are some there are some details in Clash there that Kings. I wish ki- kind of wouldn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Clash Kings. I, there are kind of some uh, stories and things like that in there that gets missed that I kind of do miss a little bit. But. Some of the characters they cut out or the characters they fused together, I think was the right choice for doing a TV show. Like, oh, yeah, for like, sure. the, like fusing Braun with some other characters. Yeah, yeah you got like, the same thing with even like uh, what's her name, Jean Poole, Rob's Rob's uh, uh, love interest in the in the show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is this which we can't foreign, also, foreign wife. Yeah, yeah. Foreign wife. and the cutting out of uh, the Jean Iron Poole. Lady, Catelyn Stark, after her throat was cut. You know, she came back because of the Red Lord in the books. In the so book. there, there are people who haven't gotten to that point in the show, even though they may know about that happening. It's not um, the show. It's the book. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's definitely but, not going to happen. But <laughs> what? Oh wait. Spoiler alert. May also have happened in the show. Yeah. Uh, Sam, you suck sometimes. Anyway. Okay. So Littlefinger sits on the throne at the end. He kills everybody. Yeah. yeah. Basically. Um, <laughs> and Tyrion, he's got like a little like. Does Littlefinger actually use Tyrion to kill everybody? Like he just picks him up and starts. It's kind of like a, like a like a no. Bowling. Tyrion. Tyrion's like the doctor of this universe. He just goes in and out with you, and you kill yourselves. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. Timey wimey wibbly wobbly. Yeah. Exactly. So, do you, do you have like a strong opinion though on like whether or not the TV show should be considered canon at this point, or is it essentially like fanfic? And once the books actually come out, that's going to be the canon, or what? I think Martin's involved with the show. Yeah, I, was well, say, I can answer that. But, he, but he's already he's already said that you know the the books in the show aren't necessarily going to go in the same direction. It, it's a similar argument to um, the Walking Dead though with Kirkman. He's he's very heavily involved with the show as well as the fact that he's the only writer since the comic book's inception and whatnot, um, and they progress at very different um, times with different people and whatnot. And that's actually one of the things I super appreciate about that particular show, too, is because I actually have read all of the comics, minus like maybe the last three, because I'm a little bit uh, behind on those. But Yeah, with Thrones, um, too, it's, it's pretty cut and dry, because uh, Benioff and Weiss um, have have the ending, have have Martin's ending, have Martin's ending as it as it was intended. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of things like rather famously, I think around uh, the end of book three, book four and five, uh, Martin sort of had to sit down and say like, well, uh, now I've made the plot in a way that doesn't make sense. Uh, like as he was writing through book four, he he essentially realized that he'd tied himself a Gordian Gordian knot and he couldn't uh, continue the plot that way because it. It totally screws up the ending and it doesn't make any sense. So we had to redo all that, which is one of the reasons why that book took like five years to come out. Um, but the short story is uh, uh, he has had an ending in mind this entire time. And mm-hmm. Benioff and Weiss are the only people that know it. And I, I'll just say like um, having... I want to kidnap them and just torture the shit out of them. So a little know. bit. But like having no, having read the books... No. Like, Under the guise um, of free speech, of course. Uh, Alex <laughs> exactly. can probably back me up this... Uh, uh, Alex can probably back me up on this a little bit. But having read the books and watched the show, I can see their show progress in a way that I kind of I won't say predicted because there's nothing in Game of Thrones that's really super super predictable but if you pay attention there are some you know sort of broad strokes that you can paint and, and it does match up pretty well like yeah. uh, you know the, the 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 whole title Song of Ice and Fire is one of the things that I've been calling since probably season one uh, you know of course by then I'd read some of the books but in, in you know I think I'd read two of the books and at that point it became kind of clear to me what that actually was and now we've all but confirmed it in the show um, there's a couple of other things along those lines you talk about the budding romance between Jon Snow and Daenerys <clears throat> well I mean you, you know um, 
Because I do have the internet. I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I guess there's not any spoilers because you know that uh, Jon Snow and Daenerys are two of the main characters at this yeah. point. But and, and you know that they're very heavily like uh, fire is obviously Daenerys. She's got dragons and literally shoots fire. And then you've got Jon Snow, which is ice, mm. uh, and north of the wall and blah 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 blah. Um, so, uh, but that that's something that I've been looking is, at since like book one or two. I mean, coming from a complete noob, like when it comes to this thing, though, like you can tell watching the first season and even the uh, the second season that I've watched so far is that um, a lot of the characters have like specific roles that they play. But Jon Snow and Daenerys, you can tell are, are very much being groomed for like the end game. So yeah. To speak. And you see that like even I can see that and and uh, without Internet spoilers and whatnot, just because of how their characters are are given the they're kind of treated with kid gloves for a lot of different reasons and and it's the kind of thing where you feel like you know is going to be important much later like it See, doesn't have to pay off right now that's one thing that if you're picking up on the from the show initially that's kind of interesting because I, especially with the books, I did not get that sense. Like with the books, I was like, I don't know who's doing what. Like I don't know who's going to win, who's going to lose. The books are especially because it's telling them what Dude, the fuck, Sam. <laughs> you're going to buy a half rack uh, for everybody that downloads the show. Uh, but anyway, from the book standpoint, like, especially because of the way the books are told in sort of first person, chapter by chapter, uh, I never really got a sense of like, this is the main character. Uh, it, it wasn't until two or three books in where I st- started having like strong theories about like, oh, I think John and uh, Daenerys are going to be like a, you know, a pivotal point of the story. And even still, like, there's nobody that I'd bet on and say, oh, yeah, they're going to live. Like, there's nobody at this point that even, you know, as we're just shy of, um, you know, nine or ten episodes away from the end of the series where I'd say, oh, yeah, they definitely make it till the end. Well, they did a good job with casting it because um, both John Daenerys like, weren't really super well-known actors. Because normally for a show like that, if they were going to be like in the end game, they would be the most famous actors. Mm. But like Ned Stark was like the most famous actor. Sean oh, Bean, see, that, that was the biggest. Through season one. That was yeah. the biggest. Um, um, I don't know. Or one of the smartest things I did that I think they did is literally when I started watching Game of Thrones, there was a couple of people I recognized because every British actor plays in everything in Britain, essentially. And there's only, I think, five working British actors. And they, you know, I don't know how many they, they got for this show, but it seems like there's only about five. And so you can see them also. Um, like, there's yeah. a lot of actors that I saw in Game of Thrones that, like, I was like, oh, I think they maybe had two lines in Harry Potter or something like that. Um, I think they were running out this season because they brought some singer dude in. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so They're much like, anger. Uh, what's <laughs> Everybody went ape shit. For I know. Some yeah, they were like, oh, so come dumb. on. What's what's Capaldi doing? We can't get pa- Capaldi to do that. No? Okay, fine. I guess get Aired Sharon because that's all we got left. Um, <laughs> he got so much hate for that. Oh yeah, it was because it was a pretty. And, and I mean, obviously, I haven't seen it because I'm not nearly like to that point. But like, I'm just like, was he really that bad? Or like, well, no, no, it because, was a like, non-issue. They're from just, a, narr- they're just from like, a narrative oh. point of view, it was stupid. But the backstory on this is that Macy Williams is apparently a humongous fan. And uh, the the crew basically got uh, Ed Sheeran to do it as as like a you know thank you slash parting gift um, because the show's coming to an end soon. So Dude, anyway. who isn't a huge fan of Ed Sheeran though? I know. I just stop. We can't. I mean, not me. We can't turn this into the Ed Sheeran the show. Jamie Fox story about how he brought Ed Sheeran into a club where like a lot of rap acts played, and Ed Sheeran went up with a ukulele and brought the house down. It's a <laughs> look it up. It's a good interview. With Jamie uh, Fox. We'll do that. Yeah. Um, okay uh and I, where were we no, going with this? Y- like he was talking about casting alex yeah. was talking about casting and and the brilliance oh, yeah, yeah. of the fact that they're not well known that's what i was saying like that that was that was actually kind of one of the biggest ways that i think that this show just sort of fucked with everybody sort of subtly was uh they cast uh the only known actor i think in there that people might have recognized is is uh sean bean of course 
And then, of course, they're and then you imprint on it even further because the book and the and the show sort of set uh, Ned Stark up as like this, uh, like he's the good guy. He's the you know he's he's our hero sort of thing. And so, oh, uh, yeah, so amazing. Man. Yeah, that that was probably one of the most brilliant. You know, so yeah, casting directors for Game of Thrones probably deserve as many awards as anything else. But yeah. I mean, in a way, though, he is uh, that pivotal character though because like the the mere act of Joffrey um, having him decapitated sparks. A war between basically all of the kingdoms. Oh, just wait, because um, it gets deeper. It gets so much deeper. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I just mean even that little bit of machination right there. It, it just... It's it's just one of those things. Um, I I actually was wondering where I had seen Daenerys before. Um, Emily Clark, Emily Clark, Amelia, Amelia, yeah. Um, and it turns out she's in that really shitty Terminator Genesis movie. Uh, that was after. The, yeah, it was after. after. Yeah. It was after. Oh. But like, I was looking at like where I would recognize her from. Yeah. But like, when I saw that that was her. Yeah, I didn't recognize her though, like because of course, like Daenerys has that incredibly like blonde blonde hair, and then yeah. so um, as Sarah Connor, she didn't, and, oh, yeah. and it actually like it's weird how hair color can like change the way someone's face looks sometimes. But yeah, like, yeah. like I don't know what you would look like without gray hair. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, you do, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, come, you got the comeback for that, right? Oh, what's that Are you, for Matt? Do you, that you, I don't have hair. Yeah, well, okay, I thanks. Just, I, 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 like I'll do it for it's you. Fine. Like it's not like it's fucking low hanging fruit, bro. <laughs> well, I guess I'm just not a mean person. Maybe I don't know. Uh, I'm just checking uh, out uh, Amelia Clark's uh, boobs. No, her dragons, her dragons, of course. Yes, her, her sorry. Dragons, yes, no, I'm checking out what she's done, and really, the only thing on her back. Like, well, she was like an unknown before. She before 2011 was something called Triassic Attack. <laughs> and if you have seen Triassic Attack, that sounds I like a, that sounds I, like something Ralph Garman might. I was be just in. gonna say like it's it's like a is it like a in the same family as Sharknado? Like um, I'm, I, I I definitely I, I kind of want to see it. it. Damn you, Sharktopus! Yeah, it it looks like something that was on Sci-Fi, so it should be amazing. Yeah. All right, okay, let's watch that later. I definitely did not know that she was going to be in uh, Star Wars: A Han Solo story. Oh yeah, coming she up. She was next cast year. as a part of that. I didn't know that. Oh, well. Because I looked at her IMDb like a week ago. Wow. Yeah, I don't think I'd go <laughs> for you. I sincerely doubt she's going to have trouble finding work for the next few years. Right? No, probably no, not. I think yeah. She. This is. She's going to take off in yeah. some way. All right. So, anything else we want to talk about Game of Thrones, or should we move on to DC? Um, oh, we got we got plenty to talk about that just happened. No. Uh, you guys <laughs> no, want to no. go away for a little bit while yeah, we talk? Just, <laughs> no, let's mute that. No, I want I want you to go away. Yeah. Now. <laughs> you can edit this after you've watched that show. Yeah. I mean, Eddie, come on, it's yeah, fine. No, I can't edit it. Why How do I edit it without listening Bryce to it? I'll talk about it real quick. Yeah. All right, so yeah. Bryce is going to tag out, and we're going to talk some DC. All right, so so Bryce has left us. Uh, he's gone to venture back north to the wall. Yeah, uh, or Portland. I mean, that's fine too. Let's go with the wall. Yeah, it's a little poetic. Yeah, for sure. He's. I mean, he's all but celibate now anyway, so he might as well. <laughs> I mean. He's taking his vows. Um, um, so we are uh, down to four now, which is probably a little bit more manageable on Mike anyway. Um, and we're going to talk with Alex a little bit. Um, yeah, as it turns out, Alex is the one among us who has a really cool job um, right now. So uh, you want to? You wanna... Yeah. Preface this by saying um, Alex and I have known each other since roughly 1986. <laughs> somewhere around there yeah, something like <laughs> um we went to school together um uh he's uh great ahead of me he was great ahead of me in high school and uh we kind of all all of our friends kind of knew that alex was destined for something different than than stain and jefferson and you know yeah just picture the smallest town in the world and you're basically picturing yeah. jefferson oregon yeah. um what i didn't know is is what what 
you know, where his, his path was going to take him. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about, um, yeah. So I started asking this, this question a little bit, uh, off mic, but, uh, yeah. So you started off going to colleges and you were going to, uh, for geology. Yeah. Um, so how did you end up, you know, obviously I'm assuming by this point you knew you had an artistic talent. Um, I'm assuming you were probably pretty interested in art because I've known a couple of people like this who, uh, for, you know, reasons also go to, you know, school for something that other than that, and art tends to be one of those, like, it's, it's kind of a hard to chase passion, but how did that lead you, you know, how did you get from geology to, uh, now, you know, making toys for, you know, big name toy companies and stuff? I, I think we should start with or how sculpting. did he choose Carlton? Yeah. And, okay. And I'm going to tell you a little known secret about Alex. Um, at the time, Chelsea Clinton was also applying to colleges, and Carleton was one of the colleges that Chelsea <laughs> had applied to. And so I think secretly, it was all it, he was going to get after was Chelsea Clinton. To, uh, yeah, find Chelsea and like you know. Yeah. yeah, I think I think he really really uh, just wanted to nail the president's daughter. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, there's less noble goals in life, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, Eddie's question was valid. I just had to throw that in because yeah. I do remember us talking years and years ago about the fact that she was potentially thinking about Carlton as one. Of, she went to Brown eventually, though, didn't she? Yeah, she didn't. She didn't go to Carlton. I don't remember yeah. exactly where she yeah. went, but I, I think Brown maybe. Yeah, I think she yeah. had to go to Brown. So anyway, tell me more about Chelsea Clinton. No. <laughs> uh, so yeah, anyway, how did you how did you go from geology to uh, you know obviously a more artistic endeavor, sculpting, you know, in particular? Um, I mean, it, it wasn't like a big of a flip as it sort of like seems because I was always doing art on the side. Like I was taking art classes with Matt in high school. And so it was always sort of a possibility, but you know, most of my family was in science. So that was kind of the expected thing. And like, I, you know, I still love geology. I mean, when I see a road cut alongside the road, I want to like stop. <laughs> That's and cool. Like, you know, like look for fossils, like do I, you know, so it's the geology is still there, but I knew that the, um, so this is the last, it, it sounds like a lot less of like a cliche torture decision. Like it's like, well, my mom wants me to be a doctor. So I'm going to go be a doctor, even though I really love, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's it, it, general passions for both. I do. Yeah. I had genuine passion for both, but it just turned out <clears> like <throat> I had more passion for art. And so even when I first switched, there wasn't like a career path in mind. There wasn't a goal. I switched to art and I took like one of everything. Like I took like one, you know, Photoshop class, one printmaking class, one painting class. Mm hmm like one photography class and so like it wasn't even like i had a plan um so what do you mean until like after college that i really kind of got into the uh the toy industry so how does that go uh do you, do you i mean I, 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 it's it's always funny kind of picturing interviews and stuff like that for companies like that do you, i mean do you just bring in a portfolio do you bring in samples of like your work how, how do you how do you end up uh you know something like mcfarland toys um it, it's definitely more portfolio based than a lot of other jobs where it's you know more <laughs> like your actual like you have to show me, yourself rather than your work yeah show me have 20 years of experience and you know like a language that's only been invented in the last five or something like that yeah 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 exactly it's more you just if the portfolio is there if you're weird they can like deal with it like even if you don't <laughs> present yourself on an interview like even if you're like shaking and sweating and like are in a ripped t-shirt if your portfolio is good you can generally get in the door which is kind of nice that it's, it's very talent based but I got in, I ended up going to New York and I went to the New York Academy of Art, which was a really kind of classical old school, like French Academy, like life drawing, proportions, anatomy, go to dissections kind of school. And then I was graduating. I had like one commission lined up. It's kind of the Juilliard of, of art. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was well, Juilliard. It's the Juilliard of art. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it was very old fashioned. Nobody, was, like, nobody no goes computers. to Juilliard for art. 
Well, I mean, dance is an art. Anyway, go on. Sorry. No, it's not. What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> made enemies of every dancer in the audience. No yeah, kidding. Well. Um, My daughter's going to listen to this and be really pissed off at you. I know. I know. I, I specifically took that shot just because of Ellie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, go on. Sorry. So, yeah, I was I was graduating, and then I, I talked to one of the professors who I only knew about his fine art career. And he's like, I used to have a commercial art career. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I did these, like, you know, like some dolls for, like, Alice in Wonderland back in the day. And I worked on Swamp Thing and, like, a few other, like, horror movies. And I'm like, I didn't know this. I, I'd be wearing a shirt that said I worked on Swamp Thing. <laughs> it's like, I still know some people in the commercial industry. You can work small and tight and fast and mimic styles you'd be good for commercial art. And so I got a job at a tiny little studio, like sculpting, like, like rubber duckies and like, uh, um, SpongeBob <laughs> and like strawberry shortcake, electric toothbrushes. And I did a CPR dummy. And then I think about right when I did the CPR dummy, I realized, you know what? I kind of like this. And Which so CPR dummy model did you do? It's Sim man too. He actually looks a little bit like me. Okay, I thought that was a okay, joke. I've never done mouth uh, to mouth with you, so we're um, good. Yeah, yeah. Like he's fully like articulated like a G.I. Joe doll, so you can like lift the leg, I think his pupils like dilate, you can intubate catheter or whatever yeah. you want to do. Not like, like your typical CO two or, or um, CPR dummy where like you just position it and it stays that way, like yeah. it actually kinda has some Yeah, yeah. No, like so, I, I only picture the crash test dummies from like the eighties, you know, scare <laughs> you commercials. So the first time I ever took a CPR test, like that's what it was basically. Nice. But yeah. Yeah, and so when I'm, you say crash test dummies, I just go straight the, to the stupid band. Yeah, yeah okay, band. go on. So I'm hoping at some point, like I have like a heart attack, and the person reviving me trained on the. It's like, hey, this guy looks really. Yeah. like he looks familiar. Like, I know exactly so what white. to do. Yeah. <laughs> I've practiced like for years. Yeah, um, that'd be perfect. Just hope he doesn't slip you the tongue like he did practicing. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, but that person <laughs> slipped me the tongue millions of times on the practice dummy. So. <laughs> they'll, they'll be really good at it. He's yeah. down. Um, yeah. Okay, so you go from designing uh, CPR dummies and rubber duckies. How do you end up uh, doing like McFarland toys and and uh, more into you know more boutique stuff? Eddie's like that? got a really big boner for Todd McFarland. Well, so. okay, I got to be honest. Uh, I, I do like McFarland, and <laughs> just really generally, I don't have your mem- resume memorized because I'm not a good interviewer. So, um, you know, how do you how do you make the jump from that kind of thing to more recognizable properties? Because you've also been involved in some uh, movie stuff. We talked a little bit about that. Like, there's some stuff you can't even talk about, which is probably the coolest guest we've had so far. So, uh. uh uh, how do you how do you make the jump from those things? Is it like a clear progression of like you you go to an interview at, at one of these bigger companies and or you know one of these more boutique companies and you're just like check out this CPR dummy it's really cool looks just like me I, yeah I mean it was just sort of like being luck and, and being in the right place at the right time and having the right things in my portfolio because of my more classical sculpting background I had done really realistic drapery like clothing yeah and it turned out McFarland Toys was expanding at the time. They were hiring a lot of new people. They're getting into sports, like they're doing baseball, basketball, football, hockey. And if you think about it, like there's a little bit of flesh, but there's a lot of clothing that has to be sculpted. Oh, yeah, especially baseball. I mean, there's nothing but jersey, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so just my skills kind of fit. And it was like at a different scale, different material. They were like sculpting in wax. And so there's a lot of training I had to go through, but I had the base skills that they wanted. So I was able to get in the door. And then after that, you know, you just kind of like work your way up through the ranks. Yeah. And like, I, d- I didn't know who Todd McFarlane was. Like, before that, like, I picked up Spawn comic books. And there was a long time when I didn't read comic books, and he was the reason I picked up one again. And so there was like a certain love for that. And I, I wasn't working with Todd McFarlane every day. He was at an office in Arizona working with the, um, the corporate end of the business and the comic books. And then I was at a little office in Jersey doing the, uh, the toys. Did, did you meet him, though? 
I did. He would come out like once every like four to six months, and he'd come out there. Um, and it was it was always entertaining. <laughs> Todd Todd's a different breed of cat. Uh, if you seen ever seen him at cons and whatnot, um, he made a name for himself. Um, actually, right about the time Spawn was coming up as uh, as a guy that like really just didn't take any shit from his naysayers when they would talk to him at, at conventions, and he would just fire right back like. He he didn't take the uh, like the PC approach to to things that a lot of people did back then, and it was on one hand kind of refreshing. On the other hand, you're kind of looking look at this guy going, "God, I hope he has some longevity." Like, <laughs> and he has obviously. Yeah, um, that, good, that that story seems to have turned out okay. Yeah. Well, he somehow even convinced a movie studio that he needs to direct the the, the Spawn reboot. So, yeah, which is kind of amazing. Is that for real happening? Yeah. Yeah. That's actually. Probably They're in the middle good. of pre-production and casting right now. Yeah, and he yeah. said he's he said he's going to treat this more like uh, a legit horror uh, type film than than a comic book, which type would film, make it so. so much better. Anyway, enough about Todd McFarlane. We're, we're let's let's catch back up to, uh, to Alex, but <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was crazy meeting him in person because he was he was so weird. I mean, it was legitimately like like big, like a twelve year old with millions of bucks. Yeah. And like, like in in an adult body, and I mean that in the best way possible and the worst way. Because he still knows how to make <laughs> how to have fun. He still knows how to fun, and he's and like even if if um, he wasn't going to make a profit on a toy, but it was a cool toy, he wanted to do it anyways. Which is the decision the twelve year old would make. Which, from the art, artistic perspective, was like amazing. We did great stuff, and then even if we just, you know, barely broke even, like the reputation of the company went up, and we did amazing stuff. And so as long as he had great kind of staff around him, it was that kind of like moment when good art could get made in a corporate setting. Did you right. ever have a project that you were working on that you were just like, <laughs> we're not going to sell one of these things? Uh, I mean, yeah. I guess we should preface it with, can you talk about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's different because like a lot of times there's properties, you know, if you're sculpting, you know, a Batman or something like it's, it doesn't. Yeah, you're gonna sell. I mean, Batman just alone, the name recognition. You sell Batman. Whereas, yeah, yeah, whereas exactly. the entire John Carter line, yeah. not so much. <laughs> but yeah, if it's something that hasn't come out before that doesn't have, um, like something like Pacific Rim. Yeah. I mean, you, you can go into it like thinking, you know, like kaiju's are awesome. Like I love Godzilla, and you can go in saying, uh, you know, Guillermo del Toro is awesome, but you really don't know. And so it's there's a lot of debate like in these companies like at the ground level if there's a new property you're doing toys for like is it good or is it bad i um, still have mixed feelings on pacific rim so i get it yeah yeah if you if you take a if you take pacific rim just like a popcorn flick this is another big digression but uh then i think it was fine like it, and it, also i looked at it a little bit like the godzilla sort of lens on things and i just try not to let it take it take it too seriously and i liked it just fine so i always i always kind of called it like a um like Godzilla meets Power Rangers. Yeah, it was a little bit. Yeah, I, I enjoyed but, it. I thought I didn't like the training sequences, but yeah, I enjoyed. It. I will watch the second one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm a little upset that Charlie Hunnam's not not probably going to be in in the second one at How all. Do you feel about John Boyega? Wait, he's not. Being in it? No, he said he like there was there was uh, um some conflicts like with timing. And they couldn't make it happen. Uh, he did. Oh, he's King Arthur now. I mean, well, he's got, he did. He's got he did him busy schedule. Like, well, he if was they King wanted, for one movie. if they yeah. wanted to bring him on to do a cameo and stuff like that, that he would be open to do it because yeah. it wasn't like he he would have done the sequel. Yeah. Um, but they're going to move forward with John Boyega as as the lead. They already did. There's a there's a preview out already. It's yeah. just a teaser, but there's a preview already. I have mixed feelings on on the Boyega thing, not because I think he's going to do a bad job, because I think he's fucking great. Yeah. Um, but. 
I don't like it when like they're like, oh, he was in this one really good movie. Let's cast him. Like, <laughs> well, and the thing I like about John Boyga is he was in this really small uh, alien movie, Attack the Block. I don't know. Did you guys ever watch that? I haven't watched yeah, it, but I have heard I've of it. I've seen it. It's a pretty good flick, and if you watch it, you can see the kids got chops then. And so, with him being in Star Wars, you can see that he, like it's coming. A little bit more. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars is a big... You, you get a big boost from that just because it's instant name rec- it's recognition. Star Wars juice. But, I mean, yeah. come on, there's two of us wearing Star Wars shirts right now. But, but, uh, they're actually pretty legitimately good actors. Uh, yeah. um, Boyega, in particular, was was pretty solid in the movie, uh, especially, you know, for being relatively unknown. Same thing with Daisy Ridley. Like, I was impressed because she was pretty good for having, you know, never... Uh, having never heard of her before, so... Anyway, yeah. though, uh, back to Alex. Um, speaking of movies, uh, you mentioned before you got to m- work on some movie projects uh, that we, you know, us lay people don't get to see, and there's some things you've worked on even currently that you can't really talk about on air. So, if you can, or if you can think of an instance of uh, when you've got to work on something before the regular people get to learn about it uh, in, you know, what is it like keeping those secrets or what was your favorite project like that you got to work on? That you can talk about, obviously. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, um, <laughs> well, me, I'll start by going like, back in time a little bit. Yeah. Um, we were looking at the uh, um, some stuff from like the Beowulf movie with like, Angelina Jolie like back in the day. Oh, wow. And, and um, so I was doing uh, uh, Grendel from that. Yeah, that was a good. That actually, I, that was I think CG, right? The the movie. Am I thinking uh, of the right thing, or am I thinking yeah, of the yeah, other like thing? Yeah, like the whole movie was CG, so it kind of looked like a video game. Yeah, but it was almost. I think it was almost like a mocap. You know, like it, it, it looked, was. It was. It, it was, was early. The, yeah, the progression from like when they did Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within, when the, like when that first came out, everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, it looks so real!" And now we look at it, and we're like, "Yeah, maybe not." But then like the Beowulf was. I actually re- really enjoyed that movie later if on. I recall correctly, yeah. So anyway, go, yeah. go ahead. Uh, I, yeah, so uh, like I was gonna make the uh, <laughs> the monster, and that we didn't really know what it was gonna look like because with that technology, they were like testing it out. They hadn't really done the the surface modeling, um, and so this is like an issue that ended up coming up later. This is the first time I really experienced it, where they said, "Sculpt, we need the toy done now to match the movie release, but we don't know what the creature is gonna look like." Here's a hand sculpted maquette. Here's like a digital model. Like here's kind of like a painted digital painted model. Just find something in between them all that looks cool. And so that's what I did for, like, the toys. I just kind of, like, blended all the reference and tried to make it look cool. And the studio was cool with it, but it doesn't look like what ended up in the movie. So uh, you've got to work on a lot of big properties and, and work on movies and stuff like that. Um, and uh, you've obviously worked with some known quantities. Like, everybody knows what Spawn looks like in some of the characters you've worked on. Um, how much of the work you get to do is just pure creative? Uh, you know, like you mentioned doing uh, Grendel, and you get to kind of sort of interpret uh, what the reference material was. Uh, how much of your day-to-day stuff is, like, pure, you know, just right out Alex's head and how much of it is, you know, uh, um, based on source material? Uh, usually about, like, 90% of it is based on source material. It's for, like, an upcoming, like, movie or TV show. And it's it's pretty rare, but it does happen where we get to, like, design our own stuff. When I was at McFarland Toys, we were doing our own design lines, like the the Dragons. We did a bunch of series of those. And then, like, the Zodiac characters and then uh, Twisted Christmas where it depended on each one. Sometimes there was a very loose sketch of something they wanted, and so the sculptors got to design stuff. And as an artist, that's the kind of stuff you kind of like really wait for. Um, and then other companies, there's been a few occasions. Uh, at NECA, there was they were doing the rebooting the Kenner Alien stuff, uh-huh. where we got the rights to do it, and we were redesigning some of the characters. So I got to um, 
do some of the redesign and sculpt on the Gorilla and Mantis alien, where we had to, you know, pay homage to the original toy, like, and the comic book, and the entire alien universe, and make it fit with existing NECA parts. But inside that, there was freedom to, like, design. And so there's, like, all these hurdles, but there's freedom in that. That's cool. Um, so you kind of get to interpret the thing uh, um, uh, in your own way. A lot of again, very loose sort of um, loose uh, prescription, loose loose design. You know, goals, but you get to do the thing your own on your we'll, own. We'll put some photos up too of some of the, the the more current stuff that he's done. That you you I mean, you could buy right now, like the um, uh, Incredible Hulk. Uh, it which is a one. God, what is it like a one quarter scale, one eight scale? Is that what it ended up being? Oh God! Uh, it's a big. It's a big yeah, figure. Yeah, it's like it's it's like toddler size, just like yeah. two feet. Yeah, because it wow. fits in with like the um, the like the eighteen inch um, like Captain America. Right, right. And so the Hulk's it kind of in scale. Yeah, with he's that, huge. So it's big. He's huge. I actually want. I, I looked at a um, when I looked it up originally when you had said that you'd done that. You're like uh, you, I remember seeing a picture of it, and so I kind of looked it up. Uh, from the NECA side and was checking it out and they kind of had some pictures of it posed with some other things and stuff like that. And it's, he's gigantic. Um, but your attention to detail is amazing because like you can tell this is not like just incredible Hulk out of the pages of a comic book or whatever. Like, um, this is Mark Ruffalo <laughs> Hulk and, and it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, you've also done, you did work a little bit on the Heath Ledger, uh, Ledger Joker. I think you yeah. didn't do the entire design, but you did, uh, portions yeah, another, of it. another sculptor roughed it out and then I did the, the, detailing yeah uh, on it and uh yeah that one that one turned out really great and we were you know i produced it like 18 inches and then also with the like dvd release released it like six inches and for like you know a lot of the collectors like the smaller scale is something they actually have room on their shelf for right and so i I do love it when we can actually do the dc characters at the smaller scale yeah yeah so uh i I realize like pick a favorite child but um What's your favorite piece of work you've you've got so far? Or favorite piece of thing I can go point to on your website and show people? Oh God! <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, easy question, softball. Uh, yeah, I mean, different eras. Like there was different things that I liked. I mean, I I, I really love the Iggy Pop that I did. Uh, and then, actually, we were just talking about really that. It's super good, Pop, super good. So. Yeah. Um, and then after that, basically, uh, all the stuff I've done for the Alien franchise is is kind of a tie because I like I really like that whole franchise, and I've got to be able to work on some of the Kenner alien stuff and then other like alien stuff. And I think I have some stuff should be in the stores right now for alien covenant. Um, Ooh, gotcha. Yeah. I worked on the, uh, the, the Xenomorph for that detailing it. And then I did all the, all the babies. Was that still under McFarlane? Uh, no, that was, uh, that's NECA. NECA. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's a, a good question to ask too is, um, you did work for McFarland. Now you're you're mostly freelance, and you're you're still doing some stuff for NECA and whatnot. Um, was there a specific reason that you left McFarland, or is this just more like typical growth of of a sculptor, kind of uh, just needing more freedom to do things on your <laughs> McFarland touched him, he couldn't get past <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean it, it was uh, it was kind of like a typical typical kind of growth pattern because McFarland actually was willing to hire artists that weren't as experienced and some people like joke that it was kind of like artist boot camp um because they were willing to like train talented people and so the amount of artists who've gone through mcfarland to do other work is is that's really amazing that like it's really high and so a lot of people kind of fed through there i I imagine it's kind of similar to like um 
yeah, I'm obviously I'm a huge comic book fan. I've re- uh, been reading comics since like the nineties. Um, but you saw that a lot when image first started, you saw these really talented artists go and work for image because they could do what they wanted to do. There was fewer restrictions, things like that. Um, but the stories for the comic books weren't necessarily always as solid as what you were getting from like DC era at the time, especially Marvel. Yeah. Marvel had some really, 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 um, uh, amazing storylines and whatnot. But now you're seeing those people that came up through image, uh, back in the nineties are now, thriving in other places capullo just had a really really good run um with uh scott snyder on batman uh for the new 52 uh jim lee is actually like co-publisher of dc comics now uh things like that so it's it's kind of like uh todd mcfarlane uh is still that guy that's giving these other people like the chance to grow and thrive and and then you know, go on and do other stuff later on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the best way I can describe it is basically like uh, SNL is for comedians. Right. Like, you step up to the big leagues, but then a lot of people take a step from there and go on to do other interesting stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I, I spent like six and a half, seven years like at McFarlane. And so it's enough time that like I kind of, you know, like a shark, I have to keep moving. So I wanted to try other things and, and try other companies and work in other styles and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. If, um, if they were to reach out to you, like at any point in time and be like, Hey, um, there's a specific thing we're looking for. Can you do this? Like, you're still totally open to that kind of a thing. I assume. Right. Like, it, it, like not, not to like say, come work for us again, only us. But like, if they were just be like, we kind of need this thing. We're not hitting it where we need to. Like, can you work on this? Um, yeah, yeah, I could, I could. I Is that a weird question that. to ask? I don't know. It's, it's, it just seems like <laughs> no. I mean, I mean, McFarlane probably didn't really touch him. So I'm, I mean, there's, I'm there's, yeah, there's, there's not terms, like bad yeah. blood or anything, right? Like you're, no. you know, everything's everything's copacetic as far as like working relationships, obviously. Because I mean, I don't know. It just seems like it seems like in like, there's not a lot of commercial avenues for somebody with your talents, right? So it's like. um Actually, that's that, let's pause on that assumption. Is there? I mean, there's obviously a certain subsection. I mean, I guess we yeah, talked that's, about that's, you know toy companies that's, that's and stuff like, like that. The, but the, the common uh, perception, anyway, is is that like yeah, there isn't like a whole lot of different avenues. But I mean, there are some that people like kind of like segue into different jobs. Like especially if you're going down kind of um, it depends if you're doing traditional or uh, uh, so digital like, sculpting. And so if you're, especially if you're doing digital, it's the same skills to work in the video game industry or the movie industry. See, that's what I was immediately thinking, especially movie industry. Uh, video games didn't uh, come right to me, but like if you're already a skilled sculptor and you do design your own characters and creatures and stuff like that, that was kind of the, one of the immediate thoughts I have is like the, the whole, um, you know, creature design sort of thing and, and not even creature, but you know, just prop prop and, and things I, like that for movies. I, mean, I, I guess I kind of assume that like, if you're leaving a company like McFarlane to go and branch out and do more freelance stuff and whatnot, like your last piece of work that you turn into them, isn't going to be like the vibe later humping a fire hydrant like <laughs> <laughs> unless that's what todd specifically wanted you to do that may not actually be the best example yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> there have been people who have done stuff like that on their way out but uh I, you know that's everyone has to make their own decisions Man, about i'd that really like to see some of those some yeah. of those pieces of work that never made the show the toy shelves <laughs> um Oh, but, that, that's a sorry. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But some of the people who like left McFarlane like immediately after leaving, like some of them went down to New Zealand to work for Weta. Yeah. Um, when they're see, working that's, on, like, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Right. Um, and then some of them like several of them went out to like L.A. and have 
worked for various companies like uh, toy companies, um, uh, like General Giant or Sideshow, and then also like the movie industry. Like a lot of them have done well in the movie industry. Yeah, see, like when you're talking about designing, you know, creatures for Alien and stuff like that, and and, and you know, sculpting creatures for Alien, I, I just thought immediately like that's a skill that totally uh, adapts and, and works very well in the movie industry, especially you know, like if your heart is in like, uh, you know here's a basic thing we want you know make something creepy that's you know kind of uh you know based on these you know sort of traits and it looks a little bit like a, a fucking eel with a double neck and then you can you know start building those sorts of creatures that that's kind of what my head went to so uh, anyway. alex is actually the first person to introduce me to the works of uh geiger and back in art class in high school and whatnot because he had a, a book of geiger's art and uh um I was kind of a plebe. Like I didn't even understand that like Geiger had designed the alien and whatnot. And, and so he came, he came to class with like the book yeah. of Geiger stuff and, and showed me that. So and it's just one of those. Well, I mean, even for the whole alien franchise, like still the stuff that I liked best was the Giger design stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, and James Cameron, sorry, Giger. Yes. Designed the queen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like that comes like really co- uh, close, but, mm-hmm. but still like when they're designing the stuff for, um, uh, prometheus and covenant that kind of stuff that uh not quite the same yeah yeah they, they had the one and eddie i don't think has seen covenant yet but nope sorry there's there's the one kind of um you know forgive the the expression but kind of like a, a retarded alien <laughs> it's like all like mostly human form and kind of like dawdles around and 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 in there and i was like well maybe that missed the mark a little bit <laughs> but um I don't know. I'm. You've always been a big fan of the Alien franchise, I think, right? Like that's kind of one yeah. of those things that that because uh, you and I had talked about that, and Adam, our, our mutual friend Adam, was a huge a- fan of Alien stuff too, uh, back in the day. And it's to me, I, I it's it's weird because I'm living in this wonderland where like there's now movies being made of like all the things that I cared about as a teenager, like the comic books, and then Alien is is now relevant again. And um, I, I mean. We'll we'll see about the next Terminator movie because I think that's a thing now. But um, yeah, well, the last four have worked out just fine. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, um, I don't know. So you're you're now doing mostly freelance stuff, but you are still uh, doing some stuff for NECA too when when yeah. called upon and and whatnot. Um, any projects that you're working on now that you can talk about? I'm working on a chess set. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we will put a link to the chess set up for sure. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, um, is there anything you want to plug? Any, uh, where, where should we find you online? Oh, uh, just, um, I have a website, alexhenke.com. Yeah. Is that H E I N K E? Yeah. H E I N K E. Cool. Um, so yeah, check out Alex there. Um, it, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing all that. That That's really fun. Did uh, you know that Alex's mom was my den leader in Cub Scouts? I'm just glad you said den later. Uh, <laughs> should we talk DC now? We can. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Um, so we got a little, we got some more Batman tidbit tidbits uh, from Justice League. Um, so Batman versus Superman, pretty big departure from uh, just uh, the Batman we've seen on screen. Um, that Batman, of course, in Ju- uh, Batman versus Superman was pretty brutal. Didn't really have a lot of compunction about killing things uh, and people. I mean, and- he didn't necessarily kill things directly. I mean, you, you throw um, a car. Than when he fired machine guns and things, but you you throw a car into people. You kind of figure they're not gonna be walking away. Like the guy's not gonna crawl out and be like, "I sprained my ankle." No, that was it was really exactly rough. like in Terminator Two when he like with laser precision like threw the the car at their knees. Yeah, pretty much. Um, 
So anyway, we get that Batman, uh, and and uh, then we get an, an article here talking about how he's going to be in Justice League, and it's basically Ben Affleck talking about um, we're going to see a more traditional, more uh, I guess restrained uh, Batman. Although I don't even think restrained is the right word because I think this is just going to be more along the lines of like he's not going to be killing all the people uh, like he was in Batman vs Superman. Um, what do you think? It could be a character arc thing where they're trying to like make him change. Like in ah, the thank story, you. thank you. Yes. See, uh, my my perception of this whole thing from the beginning, and I and and we've talked about this, I think, on the show. Is I don't believe that the Batman that we saw in Batman uh, v Superman was always that careless and violent and whatnot. Like he's been, he's been through some shit. I think, and yeah, to the point the where he just doesn't care anymore because he doesn't feel like the world is even worth saving at this point. But he's he's got this compunction to still do it. Um, and then since meeting, uh, Diana and, and Clark, he's kind of rethought his role and, and what he should be. Uh, that's my thought on, on why the change in, in, in being like a return to form or a more traditional Batman. Yeah. So, uh, like many nerds, I remember arguing on the internet when Man of Steel came out about the level of damage caused by Clark in uh, Metropolis, especially. And, you know, all the things, you know, people certainly must have died. And what I said at the time was like, yeah, that was not traditional Superman. And if they don't address it in the next movie, I'll be really pissed off. Um, and then they addressed it in the next movie, and it was exactly like I said it would be. be turns it, about it was kind of the premise yeah, of the next movie. It turns out it was kind of a big part of the character progression of the character, uh, um, the, the progression of the character. Um, and so I think the same thing with Batman. When, when I saw Batman versus Superman, for all of its faults and flaws, the thing that didn't really piss me off as much was like uh, a very brutal Batman. What I said then was along similar lines. Well, um, if this isn't an arc in the movie, if they don't address that in the next one, then yeah, it's crap. It, like, if this is just the Batman we're going to get get that kills everybody every five seconds, uh, then yeah, I'm going to be upset. And it sounds like that's not what's happening. It sounds like Justice League is sort of a uh, renewed Batman, renewed in his sense of justice and and, and uh, wanting to bring criminals to justice rather than just, you know, swift and brutal death uh, via getting hit by a car that's thrown at them by a Batmobile. Um, so... I'm okay with that. Like, uh, I, I think that that's kind of an interesting thing that Snyder's universe has done with Batman and with Clark in general is just giving them this idea of uh, fallibility and pr- uh, plot progression or, you know, character progression. Because when you think about it, um, previous Batmans, previous um, Supermans don't really have a lot of character progression. There's not really a lot of inner turmoil. Um, there's I mean, some, don't get me wrong. If you look at the Christopher Reeve movies, like Superman is Superman. Oh, yeah. Um, he is from front to back. I mean, aside from when they they gave him the weird kryptonite-infected cake in Superman 3 and he was all like, I'm going to flick these peanuts at the liquor bottles. Ah, Superman 3. (laughs) I don't know. Are we still calling that canon? I don't think we are anymore, honestly, after... after, um, Superman Returns? Superman Returns, I think, just kind of forgot 3 and 4. They were just like, never mind, Superman 2. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, Which is fair, only if you're going by the Donner Cut, though. Yeah, Donner Cut's the way to go. Um so anyway, I, I do think that as much as the movies so far haven't turned out great with uh, Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, Batman vs. Superman, especially being a weak link, uh, Batman's portrayal was not at all the problem for me. Uh, and again, if it wasn't something they followed up in the next movie, then yeah, it's going to be I really still disappointing. still insist that BVS ne- itself necess- isn't necessarily a weak link. I think that it's more along the lines of Jesse Eisenberg, Lex Luthor is the weak link. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, Wonder Woman's good. And so... I like I like a lot of individual elements in it, and so if something's not working, like, like it, what is it? Is it? It is. Yeah. It, it is like um, 
I kind of feel like that's Snyder as a movie maker. Like he sits down and he's like, well, that's a cool scene and that's a cool scene and that's a cool scene. Let's put them all together. It, oh, and the studio says we have to mention Justice League. So let's do a vignette where we show all the BVS is a weird, weird cat because like I, I watched that movie and I'm like, okay, there are parts of it that are definitely Watchmen. And then there are parts of it that are definitely Sucker Punch. Yeah. Oh, ouch. <laughs> and, and so then that's I'm mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, just anytime Eisenberg is on screen in BVS, I'm just like, no, we please, not? please stop. Can we not? Yeah. See, like, I won't even blame Eisenberg, but I think that's kind of Snyder as a movie maker. Like, he's he's great at coming up with what looks cool on screen, what's intense on screen. He's not so great at plot. Um, I, I don't blame Eisenberg for the acting because he is definitely acting. Um, at the end of the day, it was Snyder that called cut. Wait, yeah. So what, do you like the previous Lex Luthor's better? Uh, actually, no. Um, we were talking about this a little, actually, a little bit before you got here, um, because my wife is a super huge fan of Michael Rosenbaum's portrayal of Lex Luthor from Smallville, the TV series. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm super, I'm, I'm on board with her in that. Like, I think he has so far been like the absolute best Lex that we've seen. Um, whereas, like, I don't remember in my comic book fandom, uh, like the Gene Hackman Luthor, for example, like. Uh, you know, just touting that he is the greatest criminal mind. It seems so campy to like it, now. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is very campy. Um, because Lex always did what he did because he thought it was for the better of the world, and if he could make a profit off of it at the same time, all the better. But see, I, I wouldn't quite go that far. The recent incarnations of Lex has certainly been like, um, uh, for the greater good t- type of Lex. Like there is no, you know, like uh, the the ends do justify the means sort of Lex. Um, I don't think that's been true always, but yeah, as far as on screen portrayals. Uh, I don't think we've gotten there yet. His like, hatred I just don't of think... Superman, though, was always that Superman was this alien. Yeah. That, like, why should everybody put their trust in, in this weird alien? See, they got that, they got him. that a little bit and... right in, in that BVS because yeah. that, that was their, they just didn't really give a plausible motivation for that. They just, uh, I don't know. It was just, like the whole thing was just kind of that and, Eisenberg yeah. can act, and I think given a uh, different direction, different, you know, like if somebody would have been like, yeah, so you know how uh, Heath Ledger, he did the weird thing with the Joker and it was a total hit? Not what's happening here. <laughs> to me, though, I just kept looking at it going, why does the guy who made Facebook hate Superman so much? <laughs> that, well, yeah. <laughs> I get, yeah, I, I was a little bit like, well, actually, this seems a lot more like Zuckerberg than. Yeah. And for a second, I was like, well, you know, Zuckerberg probably would try to beat Bap. Zuckerberg Superman, so. might actually put a Jolly Rancher into somebody's mouth and lick his fingers afterward. I don't know. I could actually see that happening. Like, literally, Mark Zuckerberg, not the portrayal in the, yeah. the Facebook movie. Yeah. Um, um, social network. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's... I'm, I, I stand with my wife kind of on the... I, I like the Rosenbaum uh, portrayal of, of Lex probably the best. It's the best so far, but it's not Spacey was fun because, like, uh, I mean, Superman Returns, you know, call it whatever I, you will. I like Spacey best. Um, I might. Spacey was definitely able to kind of uh, capture what Gene Hackman did and then make it his own a little bit. See, but and, that's the thing. Like, you're starting from a flawed flawed premise. Like, I like Spacey, too. And he's certainly the most talented. At, well, I don't know. Because Hackman's really, really good, too. But uh, I think he's kind of wasted because they just don't get Lex. They haven't gotten Lex right on the screen. It, and it's sort of like the new Spider-Man movie for me. Like, I, will, I will challenge you that the plot of Superman Returns with the the using the Kryptonian crystals to form new land so that he's the only one that owns land. That's pretty much Lex Luthor. I mean, that's oh, that was Hackman. That that's Hackman's Luthor. Like, I don't know about that. Kind of, but not. Yeah, like I could, I, I could see a comic book Lex doing that in some. I form could, or but I could also see us being like, "Well, that's a stupid fucking plot." Uh, my problem wasn't 
the the whole movie of Superman Returns either, by the way. Like, the hour in the middle was good. It was the hour on either side of that hour that I was just like, <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, no, a three-hour Superman movie is fine. Um, they so, were all long, though. If you watch the originals, they were all long. Oh, they were. They yeah. were. That's one of the reasons, actually, I like the Donner Cut the best, because they, they did cut a lot of extem- uh, extemporaneous crap that nobody cares about. And they didn't make the big uh, Oafish one quite so big and Oafish. Yeah. Um, so, anyway... That's half like on Batman, I guess, uh, for Justice League. Uh, kind of a weird tangent there, but um, what really? No. We went on a tangent. <laughs> yeah. What's oh. new? Um, Marvel news. Yeah, uh, not a ton uh, right no, now because we, we we got the one Comic Con International is over, and so we're kind of just waiting for the new TV season to start, uh, things like that. But we did get an international Thor trailer. Uh, featuring Doctor Strange, which we have not seen in, in any of the previous trailers uh, to date. So Yeah, this shouldn't come as a big shock because if you watch the stinger from Doctor Strange, it was, of course, Thor. with Thor. Yeah. Um, so I presume, hopefully, that that's going to explain a little bit of our circumstance as we get into Thor Ragnarok. We've seen a lot of the trailers, have no idea really how anybody got where they are. Like the last we saw Hulk, he was leaving in a, I mean, a Quinjet or something. I mean, know like how Hulk got where he was because he, he kind of left Earth in a spaceship. Well, it wasn't a spaceship though. It was it was a Quinjet. And Come on. Come I mean, on. it's not a it's not a big leap. I'm just saying, like he he left in a Quinjet, and we were like, oh, he must be going to like uh, I don't know, he's gonna go to Tahiti or something like that and chill for a week, and then he's just gone. And the next we see him, he's on like Alien World. I mean, he was next door to banging Black Widow, and then all of a sudden he's got to fly off in a spaceship. So yeah, that's all I'm saying. It's pretty beta. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, Doctor Strange and Thor Ragnarok, do you think he's going to have a big role? I don't think he's going to be big, but I nah. think it's going to be important. I think it'll be pretty important, and I think it's probably going to last less than five minutes on screen. I'm, gi- I'm giving it ten. Okay, fair. Do you think Loki's going to be back for the uh, whole movie, too? The whole movie? I'm going to say at least at least most of the second act and all of the third. Yeah, he, I want to say he's definitely a third act on this one, for sure. Because for me, he's one of the best parts, and so... Keeping him around is a good idea. Hiddleston's great, and honestly, after Avengers, um, he kind of, or not Avengers, but uh, Thor 2, he kind of hinted that he might not be back because Thor needs other... Did did we tie up Thor 2, though? Like, at the end of Thor 2, he's impersonating uh, fucking uh, Odin. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. Well, I mean, it does. <laughs> like, at, at this point in, in the Thor universe, uh, there Odin is still presumably in a coma of some sort, space coma. I, I'm going to say Asgardian space coma. And uh, Loki is currently running Asgard under the guise of, you know, being Odin. And I don't think we've tied that up at all. So I don't think really they can get away with doing Ragnarok without having Thor be... Or, I'm just going to say you got a Loki. lot more out of Thor the Dark World than I did. That's that's what I remember right there. <laughs> I remember that. And I remember the, the ninth Doctor um, being an elf person and whatever. That, we've, we've talked about Thor... Uh, the Dark World a couple of times and as well as Iron Man 2 and how they're kind of like the bastard children of the Marvel uh, yeah. cinematic universe. Cause what I remember from Iron Man 2 is uh, Nick Fury giving uh, a Tony the Avengers speech and basically what was you know very very clumsily an ad for the Avengers and what I remember from the Dark World is essentially um, Loki is Odin now. Yeah. And then wondering what the hell they're going to do about that. I mean there were oh, some, also there was Infinity some Infinity Gem yeah. things going on too but uh, Thor 2 was definitely not the strongest movie in the MCU. Like, the only time I ever actually paid attention to it was when I watched it in 3D because you can't actually look at your phone and stuff like, and stuff like that with 3D glasses on because it fucks with your eyes. Oh. <laughs> so, that's a good, yeah, that's a good endorsement right there. Um, so anyway, 
Yeah, I think Loki's got to show up in Ragnarok, and I think he's probably going to be for sure third act material, but probably well, like we know you he's said, there because most of the second, previews. Yeah, most but, of the second act, probably third. Yeah, I, I think I think he's he's legit at least half the movie, or or in at least half the movie. Cool. But, uh, looking forward to it, November. Yeah. Whereas Justice League has been pushed back to December. I don't know if you you caught that. No, they they're really going to do a, a December release for Justice. They're going to open days after Star Star Wars. Oh man, what? Can DC do anything right anymore? Yeah, ah, geez, the Whedon reshoots have taken up more time, I think, than they originally anticipated, and and so it's a, it's a December open now and not a not a November. Pushing it back to days after Star Wars is just not a good idea. First off, it's Justice League. They'll do. I mean, they're going to do a big box office. It'll make two hundred million. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big but, deal. But that's insanity. Like the, running it up against Star Wars is just insanity. The problem is, I think they've probably already spent seven hundred million dollars on that movie at this point. Uh, like, you know, they're going to make a profit. Like I'm not worried about it at all. They're going to make a profit, and because of Hollywood accounting, it'll show that it didn't make a profit. But uh, I just don't see why they would run it up against Star Wars like that. If anything, um, I don't know. They got to figure out how to either get that movie out ahead of Star Wars or wait another month. I mean, then gonna... you're doing a January release. I, they just. DC, get your shit together. They like, could make another film off of what it's going to cost them to get rid of that mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know. That'll be fun. Uh, I'm still going to watch it. I mean, duh. But Star Wars. Uh, let's talk Star Wars for a second. Um, it's a good bet the Empire knows we're here. Matt, tell me about that. Um, this is just an article I pulled from uh, Hero Hollywood uh, talking about how we're probably almost definitely going to see an Imperial presence uh, in the Han Solo movie. I kind of thought that was a given anyway, which is the only reason I put it in here, because I was just like, um, really, well, this is news? Yeah, duh. Like, he's a smuggler. He has to be smuggling uh, under the nose of somebody, right? Yeah. Like, he's not smuggling under the nose of the Ewoks. You know, like, yeah, it's yeah. going to be... Yeah. I think they don't really, they don't really care. Yeah. Yeah. My so. my one contribution to the show notes this week is that I You're uh, fucking up my link. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's messing up that link. Where's the undo button on this shit? Fucking iPads. Um. Anyway, uh, my one contribution to the show notes this week is that uh, apparently an Obi Wan movie is going to happen, and it's going. It's got a director. Oh, who's that's, name? I that's news. I mean, forgot. we talked about this immediately after Disney purchased Star Wars. Like, what movie do we want to see? And everybody was like, Han Solo. No, it was Obi-Wan. We did Solo. talk about it because you and McGregor even had mentioned at the time that he would be willing to come back to play Obi-Wan if they wanted to do like a standalone Obi-Wan movie. So so it's going to be like his time on the desert on Tatooine, it, like chilling out for years. Like I mean, he's got to be up to something. That's like he's got to go off planet at some point during that time, right? To quote from the article, um, the script is still to be written, and it's not yet clear what part of Kenobi's life the film will cover, but it's likely to be an origin story following from the still shooting's Han Solo adventure, which has lost its initial directors, Chris Miller and Phil Lord, uh, blah, blah, blah. You, so, but you short we answer is, have his origin. We know nothing. We know that there's going to be an Obi-Wan movie. Like, we know he was a Padawan for Qui-Gon. Yeah. And we know that immediately following him... Uh, severing most of Anakin's limbs that he followed Luke to go to Tatooine and we well, know that he, he was still on Tatooine 17 years later. Well, but there's a whole story between there. Like, clearly he is Oh yeah, for raised... 17, 17 yeah. years what did he do? He's clearly like Ray's grand, uh, grandfather. I, I mean, obviously like... what he did was whatever chick he could bring home from most Mos Eisley Cantina. <laughs> and that's why we have Ray. But... <laughs> Because, yeah, like, in Star Wars, doesn't he mention that he okay. used to be a Jedi? Whoa. And so he doesn't have to follow the vows anymore. Let's, so he's free. Let's back up a second. 
Ray is a Skywalker or she's a Kenobi. Oh, if, if she's know. a Kenobi, it's amazing because basically then the whole story is about Kenobi smacking down Skywalkers. That's true. <laughs> okay. That's true. That's Which a makes different it angle. a beautiful arc. Rather just just being about the Skywalkers, it's about the Skywalkers and Kenobi's. Alex and I had these conversations too when they re when they re released uh, the original trilogy and the special edition in theaters. Yeah. Um, well, there was no Ray then, but yeah, yeah there was gotcha. no Ray. But like the conversations about like what exactly? Because when they did it, they had also announced that they were doing the prequels and and that you were going to see Anakin grow up. And I was like, well, that makes sense because like the whole thing is about Darth Vader, right? Well, now we're into non-Darth Vader territory, so it makes more sense. Like Alex is saying, is if, you know, if it really just all is, it, it's about how Obi-Wan's always been better. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, so I, I'm in the uh, Ray Skywalker camp personally. I, I am too. I am too, really. I but... mean, as much as that's a cooler story, I think that the, these are these are the Skywalker movies. They're they're essentially about Skywalkers. The the main trilogies. That is that's one of the reasons why I think it's interesting that they're doing expanded universe can, stuff. Can she not be both? See now, because because Obi Wan could have sired a daughter on Tatooine that, that got with Luke, Luke eventually that, hooks up with. That would be super. I, oh, that I would don't be know. That'd be something. Yeah, that'd be weird. <laughs> that's. I think I'm going to stick with that. Would be weird. Um. So it's yeah, not I like don't, they're stepbrothers and sisters. Come on, like. yeah. So my my gut on this one says they got to do something between um, the prequels and uh, um, a new hope because let's face it, nobody wants to go back to prequel territory. No, um, but it, like, it, here's my problem though. Like, I love you and McGregor as Obi Wan. I think he's awesome. He was like the one like shining beacon in that entire clusterfuck that was a prequel trilogy. Um. But it's going to be like, yep, this happened while I was on the desert. I no. got old. <laughs> see, see, but I, I think, I don't think that's, I don't think that's true. I think that's what Obi-Wan would tell you, like in A New Hope. I think he'd be like, oh yeah, I've just been doddering around here the whole time. Meanwhile, there's all kinds of adventures and stuff like that, because especially the way Allegheny's portrayed Obi-Wan, he was a very, like, cool, down-to-earth, like, uh, you know, he would, he, he was a liar. He was humble, like, but he was also humble. He wouldn't go on about like, Oh, Oh yeah. I accidentally also stopped another plot, you know, from the Imperials uh, against the Skywalker lineage. And you then know. there was a time I impregnated a Twi'lek girl. Yeah. Um, is, so you think Ray's part Twi'lek? Uh, <laughs> we just haven't seen her tendrils yet. That would be interesting. Like she pulls down her hair next movie and it's like, whoop, slithering. Yeah. Like. <laughs> it's not exactly That's why she wears it up. Yeah. Um, that, that would raise more questions than it answers, I think. Um, so anyway, yeah, I think we definitely got to get a, we got to get something between the prequels and the, the, um, A New Hope. Like, I don't think there's any other smart way to go. They could go, they're like, let's watch Obi-Wan as a teenager. And like, nobody wants to see that. No, not one person. A teenage Padawan. Like, there's no good story there. Unless The only thing that can make it worse is if they were like, you know what? Hayden Christensen can probably play Obi-Wan as a teenager. Yeah, for sure. Um... All right, let's wrap up. We got uh, three or four more pieces of news here to cover. Yeah, we'll I'm probably actually going to talk a lot still. Because well, I didn't put the fact that I went to Mopop in there either. And I'm probably going to talk about that a little bit, which is the Museum of Pop Culture. Yeah. Um. Okay, talk about that now then. Since we're into miscellaneous potpourri, you can do whatever you want. So. Um. I'll, all right. I guess I'll throw this and then the petty stuff up front. And then we can talk about the actual articles that are in there. Yeah, okay. Go for it. Uh, 
So I got back just today uh, from uh, Seattle. Uh, the wife and kids and I uh, drove up specifically because Tom Petty was playing Safeco Field. And uh, we are big fans. My older kids have seen Tom Petty twice now. I've seen them four times. My wife, eight. And then Natalie. Uh, Natalie, this was her first go. And, uh, you know, honestly, she slept through part of it. <laughs> yeah, figures. Uh, the The show itself was great. I enjoyed it. Uh, there was a there were some technical issues during one of the songs. Uh, they fixed them, though, right away. And everything was good uh, for all the rest of the songs and whatnot. So... Um, if you, if you're a fan of Tom Petty, um, I, I, it's worth going. I, I think Alex said just a couple months ago, he saw Tom, uh, for the first time, um, and your experience was, was positive. Yes. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I'm just pissed. I waited this long to see him for the first time. Like, yeah. He was, he was still amazing. Um, as somebody who's seen him a few times now, and I actually, one of my favorite records and you can see it down there. There's a, there's a big box that says Tom Petty, uh, in, in the heartbreakers, the, the live anthology. It is, um, the live anthology is amazing. It's like a five disc set of, of live cuts from various shows that they, they cut together into like five discs. And it, it's, it's kind of the best cuts of all the songs. And so if you listen to it enough and then you go see them live, like you kind of can pick up on the subtle changes during the songs. Um, because there are some songs that are very definitely like you only hear them that way live. And then there are other songs that he does that you hear them that, and they're, they're similar to what they are on the album and whatnot. Um, and it's, I guess one of the biggest complaints I have about some bands like Dave Matthews band, for example, I'm not seeing them live because the only time I've ever heard anybody talk about Dave Matthews live is that it sounds exactly like the CD in most cases. And so I'm just uh. like, I like things that put, I like, I like artists that put a little bit of, of, of panache on things when they do it live. Tom Petty's definitely one of those. He's a, he's a good showman. He talks to the crowd. Um, you know, how y'all doing tonight? You know, doing that kind of whole thing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's a good experience. It's, um, I, I can't, one of the things that I like, I like, and Eddie knows this, like I'm a big fan of good guitar music. And I think probably one of the most underrated rock and roll guitarists is Mike Campbell from, from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Because the guy is is one of the most technically solid guitar players you're ever going to see. Uh, rarely you see him without a Gibson when he plays live. I think he only played uh, he played a Rickenbacker once or twice during the show that I just saw. Every other guitar was a Gibson, uh, predominantly SGs. Uh, he had an ES series guitar at one point. Yeah, that definitely hasn't balls. picked a team on this one or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, all guitars but, are good guitars, Matthew. <laughs> like I definitely like. A lot of the Tom Petty songs that I like really liked, I found out were recorded sort of live. They're recorded like in one take, everyone playing right. together like in the studio, which means they're good musicians. And mm-hmm. there is something about them playing together in the moment that that is really compelling. I'm 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 a big fan of of that. In fact, um, nobody takes my word for it. But <laughs> when I was when I was a, a restaurant manager, I worked with a couple kids that that were in bands. Um, and uh one of them specifically like they, they put a couple cds out like not anything that sold like commercially or anything like that but they were talking about recording and what a pain in the ass it is and i was like guys if you're really passionate about your music just go in and and, and do do a live recording like record it everybody at once like don't fuck around with doing like little things uh, they never did 
It, and of course, well, they failed because they didn't listen to me. But no. <laughs> that's obviously it. It depends on genre. Like Tom Petty is a, a perfect example of that. Like Tom Petty doesn't require a lot of technical. Uh, you know, like there's not a lot of like uh, um, electronica and yeah. shit like that that goes into Tom Petty. He's basically playing stuff that you could play on acoustic with you know regular old drum sets and a bass. Um, and that's great. And th- and that's one of the things I really like about, you know, like Tom Petty in particular, like another band that comes to mind that I'm not really a great big fan of, but the people who I know are super devoted to it are basically because the live shows are so interesting is Fish. Um, <laughs> oh, Trey Anastasio. He opened for Tom Petty one year. Trey Anastasio, not Fish, but yeah. I'm just saying, I'm not a, I'm not a real big Fish fan, but Fish has that same thing going for it, where it's like, you want to go see Fish live. Uh, the CDs, whatever, that's okay, uh, y- y- but people live and die by the bootlegs and by the live performances, f- not... Fish themselves are probably developing an almost, like, Grateful Dead-like following for their live stuff. Oh, Tom yeah, Tom Petty for sure. is, he has a following for, for the live shows and whatnot. I don't think it's quite as um, militant as the Grateful <laughs> Dead. <laughs> no. Uh, or or fish fans, um, and Trey Anastasio is a different fucking breed of cat. Anyway, I mean the dude has a guitar that's like legit made out of an antler. Okay, uh, I don't know how it works. I, I just someday I want antler guitar money. No problem. Yeah, um, <laughs> but like uh, specifically like Mike Campbell though, like the guy does. I mean, you listen to it like, um, I assume he did. It's good to be king when you guys when you saw him. Yeah, uh, from the Wildflowers album, that song on the on the record is like you know six minutes long, relatively long song. When they do it live, it's like a ten to twelve minute yeah. song, um, and you can listen to it on the live anthology, and it's amazing how proficient they are at like, like I know where all the solos come in and stuff like that that aren't even on the actual original record and whatnot just by listening to the live anthology cut, and it's it's. They're good at that. Like, they're just, yeah. I mean, they've been together for so long. I think he was talking about when he was introducing the band, um, their drummer. Oh, Steve, he's the new guy? <laughs> Steve Romy as the new guy. And because he's only been in the band for 24 years. <laughs> yeah. And consequently, you know who was offered that job before Steve Romy was? Huh. Dave Grohl. <laughs> really? And Dave said, kind of got other things going on right now. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. So 24 years ago, we we're talking like 1993. So we're at the height of Nirvana. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. And I think he already had Foo Fighters stuff plotted at that point. He probably already had a lot of the, so- the songs written. So Yeah, for sure. Crazy um, time. But he he played with the Heartbreakers. They did Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And he played with them, and that's that's when they wanted to know. They asked him if he would just stay with just them. Just stay with the Heartbreakers. Yeah. So how different the world would be. Um, probably not much, because I get the feeling Dave's the kind of guy that was going to do all of this stuff. We... Uh, I, he, I, he's on like 30 projects now yeah so. well i mean i kind of always used to have this this opinion that like the best thing that ever happened for dave grohl was that kurt cobain shot himself and then the more i think about who dave grohl is as a person and as an artist like he was the fifth Nir- uh, nirvana drummer like he didn't really have any high hopes that he was going to remain there forever and so i, I kind of have a feeling like foo fighters is something that he already had and was going to do anyway what I don't know if you would have done Foo Fighters specifically, but he seems like one of those musicians that would circle around. Like yeah. he did Foo Fighters, but he also did Probot, them Crooked Vultures. He toured on Queens of the Stone Age. <laughs> he did lots of other stuff. Probot, one of the least talked about Dave Grohl projects ever, but yeah. it was kind of amazing in its own right. Yeah. Did you right. hear it? No, I haven't heard it. It's Pro- like a Probot was awesome. He got singers. Uh, he got Lemmy uh, to do a song or two on that record. Why? Basically. Um, Basically, he wanted to do a, a he, legit, he wanted to like, do a metal hard metal record. album, yeah, yeah. And so he got these, like, he got the singer from Diamond Head to come in and, and do a track, and just 
all these other people and like wherever their strong suits were that's what he had them do and then he would just kind of fill in in these other spaces like he didn't sing a lot on there but he drummed he played guitar like yeah um, he's he's a he's a talented guy it's a weird record but i mean it's it i mean there's a lot of good stuff on it yeah so i'm gonna have to listen to this yeah it's interesting so anyway that was my trip to see tom petty um, Tell me about Mo Pop. Field. But I did go to the Museum of Pop Culture, um, which used to be two different things. It used to be there was the. Um, I have pictures. I'll probably there was, put them on the show. I notes. have more too. Casey took a lot of pictures of guitars that I didn't take because she. I was so enamored at like just looking at them. Yeah. Uh, like one of Clapton's uh, Stratocasters was in there. And she got a really good picture of it. Did you just walk by it and get better at guitar? Because I assume that's how that works. Like, um, there's an order. Yeah, yeah. I can actually like pick up my Les Paul over there and, and just. Like, rip a solo right now. Perfect. No, I can't. Uh, no. No, uh, the I mean, Clapton guitar was amazing. Um, there was, so we, when you, there's there's actually a large David Bowie exhibit. And I was so enamored with the whole thing that I actually didn't take any pictures. And I kind of hope my wife did at some point. Um, but there was pictures of, of Bowie specifically, um, like the Aladdin Sane and, and um, Ziggy Stardust years. And... Uh, Mick Rock, who who photographed Bowie back then, like was responsible for like a lot of the material that was contributed and stuff. Um, it was pretty amazing. Not, I didn't learn a lot about Bowie that I didn't already know because I was a pretty big fan anyway. Um, but they did this weird thing where there was like a wall of TVs behind glass, and they were all super super old TVs. Like some of them were like boxes with a monitor on top that still had like dials and stuff, and they had like different Bowie videos playing. Oh, that's at the cool. Same time. Um, it looked really space age and yet antiquated all at the same time, and, and which it's I like think that, is kind of a theme for Bowie. Yeah, that's that, that is pretty cool. Like it, it kind of reminds me of Fallout a little bit in the way that they did like the futuristic sort of fifties feel. It, it was exactly that. Yeah, it, it felt exactly like that. Um, so there's that, and then uh, we went to the Hendrix exhibit. After that, I sent you I sent you a picture of the mixer. Yep. Yep. Uh, not as big of a Hendrix uh, exhibit, which considering the dude was actually from Seattle was kind of a shame. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you could learn some things. There's lots of his luggage there. Oh, that's cool. That's what, when you think about Hendrix, you think about, you know, what kind of, what kind of carry on did he have? Yeah. Was yeah. it, did he check his baggage or did, uh, there was a guitar. That's good. And then uh, you walk through, there's a guitar gallery that you walk through, and it's got a ton of stuff. Like, um, Cobain's Jagsting uh, is there, which, I mean... I was going to say, like, when you get to Seattle and guitars, like, there's a rich history you can pull from, so... Well, and it's weird, because, like, my wife was, like, mad at me, because she's like, you should be talking to your daughters about this stuff. And I'm like, but I'm too awestruck. Like... (laughs) Like there's there's some some really really cool stuff there. Like the the Clapton um, Stratocaster was there. There was uh, I forget whose telly it was. There was a telly that was there that belonged to somebody. And like my wife was making fun of me because I'm like it still has the ashtray over the bridge. Like <laughs> I mean it's not really an ashtray, but that's what they called it. You know because yeah. some people did use it as that because they would take it off and not use it. And then coincidentally enough we're at tom petty that night and i was like see his telecaster doesn't have the ashtray on it like (laughs) (laughs) i assume that works better for palm muting anyway yeah but um uh so cool stuff there um the pop culture museum it wasn't quite as and this is weird for me to say like 
it wasn't quite as structured as I was I would have liked it to be because honestly, there's so many people going so many different directions that like if you're trying to follow any kind of continuity when you're looking at what you're looking at, you almost can't because like you'll get to a spot where there's like eight people gathered around one thing and you can't even get close enough to read the card underneath what it is you're looking at. Yeah. So you kind of have to skip around and I I, I don't like that aspect of it. Um, I didn't pay the extra five dollars a piece for us to go to the Jim Henson exhibit. Which, if it had just been me and the wife, it would have probably been pretty cool. But, like, I don't think the kids would have really gleaned much out of it. Plus, isn't that kind of funny? Like, I, first off, I, same boat. I don't think my kids would give a shit about Jim Henson either. Or, you know, many of the things Henson's done. But it's also kind of sad because, like, he's he's definitely a kid's, you know, creator. And for I the can't most part. say that. I can't say that with any certainty about Emmy because, like, she got insulted. Because when you're in line buying tickets in the East Entrance, like, there's certain things that are hanging above and i was like oh look there's this there's this and then there's a picture of jim henson i'm like and there's a dead guy yeah and she's like did you have to go there <laughs> you know like i'm like oh i'm sorry did i offend your jim henson sensibilities like yeah do you, you feel like i have a cold coming on do you want some aspirin like yeah uh anyway um the things that i really enjoyed and i'm i i probably sent you pictures of a good portion of it but there's things you haven't seen yet like they have the original um, Christopher Lambert Highlander um, Scotland outfit there. Oh, nice! With his with his McLeod uh, sword, um, and they also have uh, Sean Connery's Spaniard outfit from from there with the with his katana with the dragon head, and it's it's just like right there in, in glass and whatnot. Um, my daughter about flipped her shit, Emerald. I, I mean, uh, because they had the prison robes that Sirius Black wore in uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. I can imagine that'd be a I had good to get, for her. We had to get pictures of her in front of in front of the, the wizard robes. She's also a big Wizard of Oz fan and they had Dorothy's original dress and a couple other um, items from that. I think they had the, the witch's hat and robe. Wow. Uh, lots of cool stuff there. There was a Star Trek floor. I don't know if I sent you a ton of pictures of the Star Trek stuff. Um, I, I will at some point. We can put some of these up on on the yeah. You have to like the show, show. Instagram is looking a little sparse anyway, so that's yeah, a good place for that. See, I don't really think about the show when I'm doing stuff like that. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm like, yeah. oh, I just took a picture of a proton pack and a and a ghost trap. Like Eddie would think this is cool, you know. But I don't actually think about the show because yeah. I'm a dick. It's fine. You can still do it. Um, cool. So uh, let's wrap up. We get a few pieces of news. We'll hit real quick. Um, this is all kind of, well, except for this first one, this is all kind of like, what year is it? But, uh, Daniel Craig is going to be back as Bond in, uh, is, are we on Bond 24 now? 25. 25. Yeah. Bond 25. Uh, you know, I think, is it a good year? Because I think that's the way it goes with the most recent, uh, Daniel Craig Bonds. We yes. Got, we got Casino Royale, really good. Quantum of Solace, really crap. Uh, Skyfall. Not really crap, just meh. Yeah, it was crap. Uh, that was during the writer's strike, and so the movie had basically no plot. Um, we got uh, after that after um, Sky, we had Skyfall and then we Skyfall had really good Skyfall was amazing Skyfall is amazing a Spectre was very meh so I think are that means we're get, due for a good Bond movie are we gonna get an amazing Bond without Judy Dench though I don't know that's gonna be tough <laughs> um like you joke but I I, I do think she's no, kind she's of a big piece amazing. of the franchise I like, I like she's one of the few things that stuck around multiple movies uh-huh. or through multiple Bonds so yeah. it's Ray Ray Fiennes not good enough to uh, replace her um. My problem with uh, Rafe Fiennes is that his name is Ralph. <laughs> and he pronounces it Rafe. 
I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so GIF or GIF? No, it's, it's okay. GIF, obviously. But yeah, there's only one right answer. Even the the creator says otherwise. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. With with that. Um. No, but it's it's funny you mentioned like the every other with him because um. So number one, this clip that I put in there's a YouTube clip from the uh, Stephen Colbert show, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he talks about being dodgy with other interviews, like throughout the week, because he specifically wanted to like confirm it, <laughs> Get it on, on the Colbert on show Colbert, and whatnot. Yeah. But he also mentions um, that like he wanted to end on a high note, and I'm like, so he's on board with the every other one of these movies is good kind of thing. <laughs> well, also, didn't he say like never again after the last movie because of how hard the you know production? He had stuff a glass is? of water in his hand when he was asked that question, and he specifically said. I would rather break this glass and cut my wrists than be Bond again. Yikes. Oh my god. So, yeah. <laughs> so I guess what happened was like there was a there was a they got a big truck and they put money just in the back of it. They just put a big bunch of money in the back of it and it was like beep beep, you know, backed up right up to Craig's house and just dumped it on the well, porch. It could also be like a pride issue. It could be like we'll start rumors about other people want to cast as Bond. We'll talk about like Edris Elba and like everyone else, oh, yeah. and then maybe I, his pride gets the best of him. I like, think he definitely what? commented on that. This this is his last go around as it like proactively this time, but also he did mention he's like you know when I gave that interview, um, I just came off of months of filming, yeah, and I was burnt, like just totally burnt out on it, and I I, I get it, and it'd be as much work as they put into in, into specter i'm i'm disappointed that it didn't do better and that it wasn't a better film that's what i was going to say too but, like when you've um and i know we've probably all worked on long hard difficult projects and when you get done with that and people are like ah eh, whatever you're kind of like well that fucking sucked real bad but when you get done with it and people are like oh that was so good wow you're amazing then you're like oh well and then all of a sudden you look back on ro- with rose colored glasses about all the work you put into it and so it's easier to say oh yeah i can do that again yeah um, i mean it's different than doing like an award winning podcast that's never won any awards right yeah because it's a labor I, of love is I, what it is well i look at the i don't i listen to the show sometimes and i'm just like that's not a bad show but then i also think this is stuff eddie and i would talk about anyway so it might as well just be on mic and and then we're yeah. good Speaking um, of things we talk about anyway, but don't deserve a place in the world, Gremlins Three is a thing that's happening. It's a thing. It's a thing, and <laughs> apparently the the screenplay that they have so far is incredibly dark and twisted. Yeah. So, um, I'm assuming you watch Gremlins, Alex. Did you watch Gremlins when you were growing up? Oh yeah, and and Gremlins Two is possibly the best worst movie ever made. Thank you. Yes, it is. Uh, it is one of the best worst movies ever made. I like yeah, Gremlins sure. and I like Gremlins too for entirely different reasons. <laughs> um, so it, it's kind of interesting. I'm actually kind of digging this rumor that they're going to go back to a dark, you know, sort of like Gremlins what? one sort of vibe. <laughs> the first one was a really dark movie. Like it, I, it, oh, was. it was when I went back and uh, that's another thing. Like uh, we, I was talking to my wife about like, this. They legit launched that mean old lady. Like, out of her house oh yeah the, i mean there's a lots of things like that when you go back and watch 80s movies though now and you're like holy shit dude i never watch let my kids watch this and, I, and it's like i watched that when i was like four or something like that so um gremlins falls into that category of things like i remember watching that movie not only watching that movie but watching that movie several several times on beta of all things and uh now looking back on it i'm, I'm like well i definitely cannot show this to my you know six or seven year old so uh funny stuff well, with gremlins also, gremlins I, I, or gremlins 2 Gremlins. Gremlins 2 is like... Because really? uh, 6 or 7 is or... when I was like, hey kids, this Gremlins is a real two. Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, every time I like I watch those movies, I just think about like how much I prefer like actual puppets as opposed to CG. Oh yeah, for sure. 
I, because like even like even now like the CG has gotten really good, but there's still like moments like even in like Alien Covenant where I'm like, I actually prefer like a Gremlins puppet to that to it in that moment. It, it's a lot like Phantom Menace, for example, when they they made the robot Yoda, and you're just like, why couldn't they have just done a puppet? The puppet was fine. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that that comes up, especially with Gremlins. Like that's one of the things. Like I, I hope they do go and instead of going with CGI. I hope they do go with like puppets or something like that because, um, that's part of the magic. Like when you go back and watch Gremlins, you're not gonna be like, oh, you mean for the Zach Galligan role? Yeah, <laughs> you're not gonna go back and watch it and be like, oh, it's seamless. I can't tell that those are puppets. Like you know, you know it's a prop. You know it's an effect in in a same but different way that you know that it's cg and so i think that's kind of the nostalgia for gremlins too so if you're gonna go do something like that uh, yeah use puppets um but there's a lot of other things like that that falls into the general category of in fact star wars um you know i remember that being a very big particular one when they were like oh yeah we're gonna go back and we're gonna use practical effects on this movie and that was a big thing before the launch of uh, episode seven and i was like oh thank thank fuck because uh I, I don't need another green screen fiasco like the whole prequel trilogy so um, anyway, they, they definitely did use CG in that movie, obviously, but um, they used it to much wiser effect than uh, uh, a lot of movies do. So, Gremlins 2, they used some stop motion. Because I remember there was the gremlin that had wings, like the oh, gargoyle yeah. gremlin. Oh, yeah. And it was definitely stop motion. Yeah. Stop motion is it's good. I mean, it's creepy. I mean, yeah. certain movies at certain times, like having the, the, the original See, Terminator was stop motion. Yeah. And it's still super creepy. Yeah, I see. Like, I think that's a thing that they can work with. Um, and there's a lot of reasons, obviously, why they don't. Stop motion is also very time and labor intensive. Um, but it, it, it's such a great effect when you use it well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that, who knows? Uh, I I knew this was happening, and, and I don't know why it didn't make the show until just recently. But I, I did know Gremlins th- uh, 3 was a thing. Um, but then I, I read the this article where it talked about how it's it's you know, going to be twisted and dark and whatnot. And I was like, maybe we'll get the creepy old man again. <laughs> One can only hope. You know, maybe he shows up at, like, uh, Billy's apartment door and, like, just kicks him in the balls for everything that happened in Gremlins 2. Yeah. Who knows? And that guy would probably be thinking life is like a hurricane. <laughs> that was the shittiest segue you've ever done. No, it's not. We both know it's not, but it, was, <laughs> okay. it wasn't good. Uh here in Duckburg. Um, so DuckTales? What's going on there? You don't even have a link in here, so I'm not even really sure what because we're talking I about. Because I didn't put a link in there, but uh, we just, uh, the Disney DX channel, whatever it is, um, just had the, the first episode of the new DuckTales. Oh, so, okay, it's a, it, we're talking about a show here. I thought it was going to be like a movie or something like that, but okay, that's still yeah. cool. No, new, new DuckTales. Critically, it's being received really well. Here's my thing. I'm really used to old Disney afternoon DuckTales and I feel like they put more effort into the animation back then than they do now. Like it's, it's, it's not overly animated for one. Um, See, animation is another one of those weird ones. Like, um, depending on what era you are in a in a, of a show, like if you go back and watch old SpongeBob episodes, for example, um, in the first season, it's like, well, we gotta get this new shit out the door, and so the animation's really, really weak. And then as you go through, it gets better. Of course, the jokes and stuff get less funny, but uh, um, as you go through the series, it gets better. So I'm wondering if we're falling into that. But is it like a old like? Is it like actually just like cell animation or something like that? Uh, or are we doing CG no. some sort it's, of crap? I don't know what kind of animation it is, honestly, but uh, it's almost like animation these days there's kind of a less is more mentality because like my kid watches like my little pony and and uh um 
what's the other one? Like Teen Titans Go, right? Oh, yeah. Which basically seem like they're animated by the same people, drawn and animated and all that kind of stuff. And it's like a very simplistic, uh, as few lines as possible, not much shading kind of a thing going on. Whereas like if you watch the original DuckTales, um, which I can because I have them all on DVD, uh, there's a lot of shadows and stuff like that. And, and it seems like they actually put more work into the drawings and the cell animation and stuff like that. Um, than they do now. The voices are a little bit weird to get used to as well. Like the, the Huey, Dewey and Louie actually speak perfectly uh, fluent English. I was just going to say, that's going to be the hardest point. Like I can get used to new animation. New voices is hard. Donald is still absolutely Donald. Uh, <laughs> but Scrooge is David Tennant. Weird. Um, so it's a different voice. Then, then obviously the old Are style Scrooge and wobbly. They're not timey wimey for sure. No, okay. not yet. Anyway, gotcha. Um, the movie or the movie, it's it's a two episode starter, uh, so it's like an hour long um thing. But it was successful in making me want to go back and watch the old series. <laughs> that's okay. that's what it kind of did for me. I there was, I'm not saying it's bad, and and, and in fact, it's probably really good. Um, and I like the fact that, that, you know, we can bring DuckTales to a new audience that may not take a shine to the older stuff. But to me, DuckTales is still old school DuckTales. Um, they made some cool references though, cause they talked about Spoonerville. Okay. Uh, which is Goof Troop territory. They talked about. Well, it's only $30 on iTunes. You can go buy it right now if you want to. They, the one episode? It's so far. I mean, it's for the series, but yeah, that, that's oh, okay. the option. You can okay. go buy. Yeah, that's the other thing they did right now is they dropped this episode last week and the next episode doesn't come out until the end of September. It's like September 23rd is when the next one comes out. So, um, but they did drop the names of Cape Suzette and Cape Canard as well, which, so like, oh, I'm Sam all of a sudden. (laughs) Yeah. Way to go. Uh, so we got, uh, we got a goof troop reference. We got a tailspin reference and we got a Darkwing Duck reference, like all in the first episode. So. Nice. Who knows? Maybe it turns into a big whole thing. Maybe those were just name droppies. Name droppers for the for the old like guys, the grown people, like me. you know, watching it that shouldn't be, but we are anyway. Yeah, um, yeah I'll go check it out probably because that's interesting. Maybe I'll try to get my kids to like it, and they probably won't because that's what I found out with everything I liked when I was a kid that uh, my kids just do not give a shit at all. Like I'm like, hey, look at this awesome thing when I was a kid, and they're just like, no, that's old and that's stupid. I don't like it anymore. Well, yeah, um, but my dad was right on a lot of those things because you know he try to make me watch westerns or that kind of thing oh yeah i was like get older eventually and you like figure it out but uh (laughs) you know you know what's weird is you know um i started re-watching all of the bond movies recently i've only made it through two so far but dr no which was the first one and then uh from russia with love and i was watching dr no and i was like this is actually a really good movie like not even for like the time period and stuff like that but like it was um it was it was decently written like obviously it wasn't believable because he, you know he's a super agent and whatnot but like you're watching it and, and 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 i was just like i remember being really enamored uh by uh sean connery because i was like I, you know i i see why my mom talked about this particular bond you know more than anything else like um and he was he was super charming like if you if you if you watch him and stuff like that it's just incredible uh you know, and then and then you compare it like to the next one, which wasn't nearly as well written, and it was way harder to watch. Like I still like 
I can't tell you specifics to the plot in that because I was just like off doing other things because it didn't capture me. But Doctor No, like for a 1963 movie, was like incredibly um, uh, uh, attention getting for me. Like it was, it was, it was strange because I never actually watched that movie before. I've seen the, I've seen a lot of the other ones, like. Um, the, the Connery bond is probably the one I'm the least familiar with because when I grew up, like the bonds that they would show on TV were the Roger Moore bonds for the yeah, most and that's, part. And a lot, some of the goofiness in the Roger Moore ones was what I wanted as a kid. Like I wanted like Moonraker. Right. Yeah. Like Jaws specifically, yeah. like that villain was just over the top. Uh, he was in a couple of them, I think. But, uh, and then, you know, uh, I think when we were late teens is when we got the Pierce Brosnan bond. Uh, and they were they took themselves a little more seriously. Like he he had some lines that were tongue in cheek, but overall, like the movies were more action oriented and stuff. Um, and then we got the the first Daniel Craig Bond with with Casino Royale, and like there was really not much humor to that movie at all. Like it was it was just a very very uh, intense yeah uh, film. But uh, I don't know. Um, I'll. I'll probably talk about this more as we go along because, like I said, I've only watched the first two Bonds and I, I, I kind of plan on getting through the other 22 of them before the new Bond comes out. Game of Thrones first, just saying. Uh, that, no, that's been my focus. That's okay. totally been my yeah. focus. Um, but uh, we talked uh, a few weeks ago about a game called Evil Genius and how there's a sequel coming out. Yeah. That actually inspired me to watch the Bond movies. Have you ever played Evil Genius? No. It is. It, it's a real time strategy game. You essentially are a. Um, you you pick one of three avatars, and they're all like criminal bosses, and you've got various henchmen and minions that carry out your 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 evil evil deeds and whatnot. But but it's they're they're very Bond like villains. So that's they're super agents that will eventually start invading your base and trying to take you out. Things like that. So. All right, cool. Uh, I think that's the show for this week. Um, if you want to tell us how we did or want to ask uh, questions and whatever, you can go to at whatever show on Twitter. Uh, yeah, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash whatever show. And uh, for email, you can go to questions at whatever.co and ask all your questions, leave all your feedback and stuff there. Likes and ratings and stuff like that on iTunes are always cool too, but you know, whatever. You can also pay us money. Uh, you can you can be like, hey, we want to sponsor your show and that's at sponsors at whatever.co. Uh, don't forget to check out Alex's uh, artwork on alexheinke.com. Yep, we'll stick that in the show notes for you. Um, all of that stuff is going to be good and in there at whatever.co slash uh, 92. 92. 92. Wonderful. Okay, guys, we will see you next week. Later. Later. Bye.